At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zach Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dobbin here with the implications. Matthew Mayer filling in for the young boy Josh Smith this week. On today's show, we'll review Dominion and cover all latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Impy Baby, welcome back to the <laughs> show, my man. <laughs> Little insider, that's what I've called us on the chat. <laughs> I've called myself <laughs> Baby. <laughs> but, but it, it wasn't Jeremy just suddenly reaching out with uh, over familiarity. <laughs> like, hey, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Imp, uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show this week. Uh, young boy out this week. He is uh, preparing for his uh, FINRA exam, uh, big exam that he's uh, doing for work. And so. Uh, putting in some time there. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week, but you know, it, like they say in the wrestling business, a show has to go on. Uh, so I called in Imp, main man from WrestlingHeadlines.com, to uh, talk about Dominion. We'll talk about some Forbidden Store, Forbidden Door stuff, and everything that's going on in New Japan right now. It's uh, it's a crazy time. It's an exciting time for us. Uh, the pure wrestling nerds <laughs> 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 around the corner. 
where we we think of all the gym matches that can possibly happen, and then we see quite a few, I'll say, hardcore Western fans complain like, oh, may, oh, maybe these guys could be put on the AW card, or maybe it could be these guys, and then we sit here going, we just watch New Japan Noah, like, no, 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 seriously, what your game's good, <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of people um, a little bit, um, I guess, maybe hesitant to get excited for Forbidden Door or maybe not happy with the build or upset with some of the matches that are being announced. And, yeah, when you look back to the New Japan Noah show that happened at the beginning of this year for night three of Wrestle Kingdom and all those multi-mans, um, what we're getting so far is <laughs> way better than that. Way better. <laughs> not even close. And the like, the matches we're getting in the build to it as well. Uh, who knows what's... Because I thought, because Dominion was this Sunday, I thought this week's Dynamite would be a bit more calm. It's a bit more, like, nothing too crazy until suddenly, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah, the jumping right in. Like, no rest for the New Japan Wicket. <laughs> Just straight in. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's uh, start talking about AW a little bit. We'll start from uh, last week's uh, Dynamite and Rampage. So last week on AW Dynamite, we had the United Empire, Will Ospreay, Ozzy Open, and Aaron Hanare made a surprise appearance. They um, attacked FTR and uh, or they attacked Trent and FTR, uh, which then left to a Six, led to a six-man tag on Friday's Rampage where we had uh, Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, Mark Davis, Clive Fletcher, uh, losing to the team of FTR and Trent. Uh, and what do you think about uh, United Empire's dynamite uh, attack and then the, the matchup that happened on Rampage? Well, I wrote about this in my column, which went up on uh, Besting Headlines on Sunday. And uh, in the sections I was talking about, AEW, where... Uh, I pretty much talked about this match, kind of my feelings in a, instead of the, not the like spot to spot moments, but just the overall feeling of what it was doing and why it was there. Cause to me, it felt more like, like this didn't feel like a Will Osway showcase. And it kind of felt a little bit like an Aussie open, uh, like look at these lads, aren't these lads good? Rather than going, rather than again, an ultimate showcase. This was more like a setup for a couple of guys that could have that ultimate showcase down the line. But here, it was more like an introduction and like just making sure everybody's on the similar footing going into Forbidden Door, like knowing who Willie Osprey is, knowing who the United Empire are, really. And I'm assuming we're going to get more Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor in the near future on AW. Uh, never, uh, not just Forbidden Door, but on Dynamite itself, maybe, to really lead into it. Yeah. But it's, it's actually it didn't feel like a massive showcase of what these guys can ultimately do. It felt more of an introduction of these are the kind of wrestlers that they are. This is the, the dynamic of the group, getting that side across first rather than just look at all the f- amazing moves Will Ospreay can do. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what did he do? He did, like, one flip, one dive, and maybe a springboard drop kick or goes out or something. Like, yeah. we saw a very small amount of the Arsenal. And the same with uh, Aussie Open, where I'm assuming less people are aware of how uh, incredible <laughs> David and Fletcher are. But... My God, they are one of my favorites. And them joining United Empire, I was so happy because <laughs> they are so good. And they've just not really had a showcase for it, really, on a stage really that big. Uh, so this alignment, oh, it's, it's perfect. And uh, the match itself was really fun. Like, it caught me off guard, <laughs> that Trent one. I just assumed the new debuting team that you're building towards Forbidden Door would get the win. But obviously, there's something else they're doing and they're setting to they give Trent that nice little win. Uh, who knows where they're going next? 
I don't know how I feel about Trent Osprey, given the sheer amount of amazing <laughs> talent <laughs> you go with Trent versus Osprey. Like it won't be a bad match, but it's it's not. You don't you don't think oh yes. You don't th- you don't have that you don't have that guttural feeling in your stomach of just oh. <laughs> what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, Gato's always had a, a soft spot for Trent before he left New Japan for AEW. He was breaking off from a punky vice. He was going to get a big uh, singles push. And so, you know, they've always seen uh, great things for Trent in New Japan. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, TK loves Trent also. So it wouldn't surprise me that both guys were like, yeah, let's give Trent a big spot here. Let's put him in a feud with Osprey. But when you do look at the AEW roster, I mean, there's so many guys that, um, you'd want to see Osprey mix it up with. But I do think Trent is very underrated. I mean, he goes out there, works super hard in that six-man, you know, hit, hitting out a big Asai moonsault. Like, this guy can go. And I think people forget that because oftentimes he's either stuck in a tag or he's hurt. Um, so he hasn't had a really, like, long stretch to kind of show the AEW audience what he can do in a singles role. So I think this, if it is end up being him and Osprey. I think it could open up some people's eyes. Um, I thought the six man, like you mentioned, was a lot of fun. And like you mentioned, it's kind of like an appetizer introduction to, into kind of what these guys can do. Um, I thought Osprey was pretty over with the crowd. Pretty much the whole crowd knew who Will Osprey was. So that kind of shows kind of the, the status that, that he has in the U.S. right now. And I agree with you. I, know, I think a lot of people are still uh, discovering Aussie Open, uh, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. I mean, they've been having incredible matches um, in Rev Pro and in Australia and other promotions. And uh, recently, they've been a part of New Japan Strong. It seems like they're going to be a part of the tag team tournament to crown the first ever strong tag team champions. Um, so I think the more people see Aussie Open on these on AEW and on Strong, I think uh, they're going to get really popular. Oh, yeah. Both both guys, uh, Fletcher and Davies, both of them are amazing for different reasons. Like Davies is such an incredible all-round guy, and Fletcher... Uh, kind of like Osprey, where he's both got that height and incredible athleticism to boot. Like they're they're both great, and they're both great at singles as well. Having uh, seen loads of them wrestle over here in, in Britress, uh, different promotions, like yeah, they are something special. And the fact we're going to see them in AEW makes me yeah quite excited. Yeah. Then also on Dynamite, we had David Finley taking on Hangman Adam Page in a one-on-one matchup. What do you think about that matchup? Uh, it was uh, a, a nice little ditty. <laughs> like, uh, Finley, I feel like might have uh, won quite a few people over. It was uh, it's still nice to see him with the uh, shillelagh. Just a nice little tie over. <laughs> to his dad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's for me. It's just nice to continue to see the evolution of uh, Finley, given that he first started watching New Japan. Like he was one of my young lions. He was in that crop. Like him, Juice came into it, Jay White, uh, Show and Yo, I think, were there and left shortly after. So I watched it. So that kind of crop of people. Uh, they're like, when you watch New Japan, you do have your core group of they're my young lions when yeah. I started <laughs> watching. <laughs> so I feel he's one of those guys. Uh, just to see him progress is uh, always really cool. So to see him on uh, Rampage as well, it's like, oh, look at, look at, our, look at our boy. <laughs> Good <to> go. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was a really good matchup. I mean, unfortunately for David Finley, he's not very uh, over with the American audience. There wasn't a big reaction or pop for him. Uh, but it was a very wrestle, well-wrestled matchup. And I think it's one of those things where Finley's always kind of been in that kind of mid-card, undercard, and then kind of being tagged with Juice. Doesn't really get a ton of exposure with the U.S. audience. And I feel like a lot of the 
uh, Western fans that do watch New Japan, they might skip over some of the tags. They skip Tag League. They don't really uh, watch a lot about uh, David Finley, but he's a very good worker. And I don't know. I just think he needs a fresh coat of paint. There's just something needs to change. Uh, he's been kind of doing the same thing for a little bit now. I know he's no longer with Juice, but I think um, some, a change up there, some kind of gimmick or personality change would help him out a lot. So, yeah, what probably doesn't help is seeing the people around him do that. And so he kind of just, he, yeah, you notice it, especially like, you see, again, the people that I brought up, every single one of them has had that massive character shift at some point. Yeah. Uh, Juice the most recently. So he kind of sticks out. Like, he's grown perfectly fine and nicely. And if it, uh, obviously, like, the kind of state where he's at now is just kind of, he's probably just going to meander where he is unless he gets some kind of character-based oomph or something. Yeah, just to completely uh, give him a whole new set of momentum. Yeah. Just like, he's, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, we know he can go. We saw it. We've seen it at different cuts uh, throughout the years. We yeah. know that he can go if he's given the opportunity. He's just, yeah, he's, he kind of, yeah, I'm with you. Some form of little revamp or something. Yeah, I think the thing that really hurt him was definitely the pandemic. Because, um, you know, right uh, in 2020, New Japan Cup, he had that big upset win over uh, Jay White. And it looked like they were getting ready to do a big push with him. And then the whole guys gen unrest happened and those guys weren't going over. And then we had to wait several months until a resurgence last year in August uh, for Finley to get his never title match against Jay White, but it was in LA, Jay White country. Nobody wanted to see Finley win. They're all behind Jay and he just lost all momentum in that, you know, five month break from not being in Japan at all. Yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> like ho- hopefully you can get that momentum back just by existing for a little bit and, yeah, getting something back. It obviously it sucks. Obviously it sucks. And like to be fair, Juice isn't having that great luck. <laughs> as soon as he, it's, yeah, that boy is cursed with titles. <laughs> any any lick of it, <laughs> he gets injured. Yeah, so let's uh, talk about Juice. So yeah, he was uh, stripped of the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship uh, before uh, this past Sunday's Dominion show. Like we talked about on the show last week, uh, Juice had appendicitis and had to be rushed to the hospital. And there was a lot of debate on whether he was going to need surgery, whether he was still going to be able to compete. And they, New Japan, went ahead and signed the matchup, um, the U.S. three-way match with Juice defending against Will Ospreay and a returning Sonata. Um, and then a few days right before the show, yeah, Juice cuts a promo um, in the States with the title saying, you know, what does New Japan understand? Like, I have appendicitis. Like my appendix is not rock hard like the rest of me. And I'm not going to Japan to defend that title. Uh, I'm staying right here. So then uh, New Japan was uh, forced to strip uh, Juice of a title and make the matchup just Will Ospreay versus Sonata for the vacant IWGP U.S. title. Um, so, yeah, man, this this U.S. title is cursed. <laughs> like, good God. <laughs> Got broken all orbital bones and Sonata. You got kidney infection, nearly died Ospreay. <laughs> Juice Robinson, who now appendicitis. They all, to be fair, they will, we'll get to it with the match itself, but I, I thought the commentator did a really good job during the US Championship match at Dominion just to get across what people are talking about when they say this title belt is cursed. Just the sheer amount of stuff that has happened with it. Also, you're not forgetting the whole John Moxie stuff with the tsunami and then the pandemic, and then mm-hmm. it's just like, ugh. <laughs> No, it's just a continuous string of injuries and uh, unfortunate timings and stuff. 
Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the mishaps of this title. Yeah, they go they go back a couple of years now. <laughs> this Ooh. thing has had a steady run in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst Osprey, really smart Osprey, he had his near death experience before getting the title. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So let's talk about this uh, Dominion show here from Osaka. Joel Hall. Seems like there's about uh, 6,000 people in attendance. Unfortunately, fans still were not allowed to cheer or make noise, even though throughout the show, at certain points, they did uh, pop for some stuff, make a little bit of noise. Uh, so that was good to hear. Uh, so we can kind of breeze through this undercard a little bit. There wasn't a whole lot uh, that happened here, but we can just kind of give some quick thoughts on the matches that happened before uh, intermission. So the show opened up. We had the United Empire team of Aaron Hanare, Francisco Akira, and TJP. Of course, they were accompanied by the great Okan and by world champion boxer Jesse Vargas, and they defeated the team of 6 or 9, Master Wato and Rich Gucci. And Hiroshi Tenzan, and those guys were accompanied by Nobu Nakanishi, uh, New Japan wrestler who retired a couple years ago. So interesting um, seconds here for this matchup. And also this was to preview the upcoming junior title match between six or nine and TJP and Francisco Akira. So the match was uh, 10 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, United Empire got the one here. So they, they, they're they building momentum going into this title match uh, next week. You have any uh, thoughts on that one, Imp? I uh, <laughs> so I've got I've got my jokey thoughts and I've got my main thought. My, my joke first jokey thought is I see Master Watto, I see his I see his logo on a screen, and I just think giant penis every time. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. <laughs> you could be kind and say it's a beehive. <laughs> That's the best you can do. <laughs> like no. His emblem's a giant penis. <laughs> I can't see it. And I've ruined it for all your listeners. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> but but it fits with the Taguchi stuff. Like, if you could lean into it. He <laughs> got, got the butt guy and the dick guy. <laughs> like, oh, man. Well, but, uh, but yeah, 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 they're, built, they're kind of building up a lean into it. Sometimes when I uh, watch New Japan, I think to the days of... Like before, we had loads of English commentary, and you'd be watching loads of shows with just Japanese uh, commentary. And I, I, sometimes I think, oh, how much sense would I have been able to make out of what was happening in this match without the Japanese, com- without the English commentary? Because again, doing a really good job explaining everything. Uh, Sir Sam made a gag that the two commentators for Forbidden Door should be Excalibur and Chris Charlton because there'll be nothing left unexplained. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Both guys will just be talking over each other with facts. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be turning over every single stone on that word. (laughs) It take ages. Uh, But uh, for me, it was the, the weird little guy doing the punches. I don't know who he is. <laughs> the, this, this random guy in a suit. Who is he? <laughs> and then they, uh, they obviously explained that he was a boxer. <laughs> but me just like, sometimes I think back to my Japanese watching days and how would I have translated that? Because <laughs> I had no idea who that Dude, man was. I, I had no idea who that was at first. And the funny thing was, I was on a phone call when the entrances were happening. So I had the volume turned down. I was like, is this, a, is this a new debut? Like, is this a new, a new wrestler that's with the United Empire? I had no idea what he was until I turned the volume back up. And, like, yeah, you mentioned commentators explaining uh, who he was. And uh, we, we did have a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. It says, TJP was able to bring in Manny Pacquiao and Jesse Vargas to do something for New Japan. Who's next? 
uh, it'd probably be a boxer, man. <laughs> I, I don't know my boxing. <laughs> I don't know yeah, I, I don't watch boxing at all. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, Mike Tyson, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was a boxer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was... He, he showed his face in wrestling. He, was, he did the, the boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good defense, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can name a current boxer. <laughs> Would that be better? Yeah, what, uh, what's the, uh, the Gypsy King? Um, Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury, yeah. I don't know, maybe bring him in. Uh, I can name one who isn't a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Anthony Joshua. He's lovely. There we go, yeah. I think that that fits the United Empire. Uh, yeah, it does. Yes, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot more. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll go deeper cut of Dylan White because then every, no people outside the UK won't have a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, so in the next matchup here, we had Bullet Club team of Ace Austin, El Fantasmo, and the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori. Defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Tetsuya Naito. Eight minutes and six seconds this is the first time that we were seeing Ace Austin in action with the Bullet Club team since he uh, turned on Alex Zane and joined the Bullet Club uh, last week. So first time seeing those guys together. And then also, this was a build to the junior heavyweight title match that's happening next week on New Japan Road. This match had the sequence of the night, and you can take your JY Okada <laughs> <laughs> mega counter sequences. <laughs> you can take those. You give me Naito trying to figure out a magic stick. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Absolute gold. <laughs> Absolute gold. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious with the whole entrance. Yeah, Naito is just like staring mm. down Ace Austin, like trying mm. to figure out how he's going to do it. You know, he throws it down, the stick pops up, and, like, Naito's, like, amazed. Like, let, let me see. Let yeah. me see. And he's, like, you know, like, twirling it around. He's, like, throwing, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> He'll be like, no, 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 you bash it in this way. Bash it in. Like, Go on, then. And he does it. Well, maybe not like that. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, and the crowd loves it, too, because in the middle of the match, uh, he popped out a second uh, stick and use it to scratch Naito's back. And the crowd was like, oh, <laughs> what do you like when the second stick came out? See, that magician wrestler from WWF in the 90s, he was ahead of his time. Like, <laughs> like yeah, he, he had something there. He just had to wait. It's a little bit longer. Mm. <laughs> if he was wrestling today, he'd be on a AW in a <laughs> pinch. Oh, he'd be on, like, every indie show, like. Oh, he, oh, he, he'd be in the clusterfuck. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. So uh, ELP got the win for his team here, hits the uh, CR2 on Bushi, and then, you know, post-match he keeps talking about wanting to be in the G1 Climax, and so we'll get to um, that announcement here in a few seconds here. Uh, but first, we've got some few more matches here before that announcement. So there was uh, Toroyano defeating Big Doc Gallows, uh, four minutes and seven seconds. Imp, I, I know you are a fan <laughs> of... Uh, the Yano comedy and the Yano stick. What do you think about him mixing it up here with his uh, old rival, uh, Doc Gallows? Oh, it's re- returned to the era that I started watching New Japan in <laughs> with Doc Gallows in G1 matches. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Back to that era. Uh, it was an inoffensive four minute Yano match, perfect length. Compared to what we were doing this time last year with 30 minute Yano classics. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> this is what Yano should be doing. <laughs> just stuff like this, completely messing about, grabbing tall people's beards and pissing them off. That's that's what he should be doing. Yeah, slapping him <laughs> in the back of his ball head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just an inoffensive Yano match. Like, there's, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like any like really creative spot like you sometimes get. There wasn't any hilarious sequence. It's just four minutes of just a little bit of fun, just to kind of like carry us over into like some title match that's starting to be on the card. But yeah, it was fine. Yeah, uh, towards the end, Doc Gals he hit his uh, choke bomb. Yano kicked out, and then Doc was gonna go hit something else, but Yano grabbed the ref, uh, hit a low blow on Doc Gals, rolled him up real quick, and got the uh, quick victory. As he always should with wrestling's most <laughs> devastating maneuver, <laughs> the, the schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> I still uh, I love um, on the New Day podcast. Uh, or it might have been on the uh, Battle of the Bands, I can't remember. But Xavier Woods' grand idea for his character progression in WWE is to one day hit the small package off the top rope and call it the big package. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So after that matchup, we had our first title match of the night, the never-open-weight six-man tag team title on the line, the House of Torture, the champions, Evil, Show, and Yujiro Takahashi, Defending the titles against the Suzuki Gun trio of El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Zack Saber Jr. Under ten minutes and no rest period. It's heel versus heel, both being heels, both both trying to be cheeky and uh, get one up over the other one, but the other team keeps reading them and you just do that back and forth for ten minutes. Yeah, this this is what again they were said about the other match and. Maybe this is like praise for the whole card of what what each match ended up being was exactly what it should have been, and this is this is what I want. Uh, don't give me House of Torture just healing up over somebody for four ten minutes and then he maybe get three minutes of action at the end of it. No, 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 ten minutes of back and forth craziness and <laughs> make the opposition look smart. But <laughs> like well, at that point, House of Torture works best when the opposition just continuously read what they're going to do, <laughs> which means they they have to up it another level. And they start to try and be even more cheeky. And yeah, for me, that's when that's when House of Torture are at their best right now. Um, yeah, individually, eh. <laughs> as, a trio, as a trio, oh yeah, it works. It works so well currently as a trio. Yeah, something we were talking about last week. Like I, I've become able to handle House of Torture in a multi-man, six or eight-man tags because they're all involved. There's obviously in a six-man scenario, you're going to have Dick Togo getting involved, but. It's definitely a lot offensive. The matches are short. Um, they're kind of chaotic, and it, it works in a, in a, a six-man, eight-man scenario. Yeah, but once you start getting singles matches with evil singles <laughs> matches, show single matches, like, no, 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 no. It cannot handle that. Uh, but here, yeah, you know, fun, chaotic match up here. Um, House of Torture tried to jump Suzuki Gun um, on the entranceway, but then Suzuki Gun kind of knew it was coming. Those guys brawled on the entranceway. And we had a lot of Dick Togo uh, interference um, throughout the matchup, and it came down to uh, Show and Kanemaru. Show was able to hit the Shock Arrow pile driver on Kanemaru for House of Torture to retain the six man titles. And like I said last week, I you know I kind of want to root against House of Torture, but at the same time, I want them to stay in the six man division. Mm, so yeah. I'm kind of happy that they retain are still a champions that can stay in that never six man division and not muddy up. Uh, any other title picture. Yeah, that, that's that's the main part about it. Is Yes, we know we're about to enter a G1 season with both Yujiro Takahashi and Evil in it. <laughs> However, 
<laughs> the like where they are now, they're not they're not messing up in um, like they, well, I think again, I think the last time I was on the show was when uh, Evil was going for the uh, King of Pro Wrestling title. Yeah, and what was it? Oh, it was a lights out match that was, or something. Oh yeah, something the, like yeah, the King, the King of Darkness lights out match yeah, or whatever I, yeah i remember getting myself so excited with an idea i came up with at the time and then the, the, the match aired it was like oh that's crap <laughs> <laughs> of course it's crap it's evil <laughs> that's the thing but yeah it was it is yeah for me it's, it's, again the perfect slot for them they're not muckying up or murking the waters of any other kind of division right now this is great have them in this little scenario here and especially as they keep getting one-ups by clever heels like suzuki gun yeah and yeah, this is, this is a great example of why heel versus heel works because they're not the same kind of heel. Like they're completely different kinds of factions, and Suzuki Gun being smart heels really, really kind of it was an awesome dynamic to watch. It's such a fun ten minutes. Yeah, and plus you have uh, Desperado and Saber, both guys who have kind of been winning fans over in the last couple of years. So they've been kind of leaning tweener a little bit. The crowds have really been receptive to those guys. So, and the crowd was definitely what was behind them and not House of Torture. So the dynamic really worked out in that sense too. Oh yeah, and, and of course we can get excited for Zack Sabre Jr. now, what he's maybe doing next. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but we also had, after this match, we had the IWGP Tag Team Titles on the line. The United Empire team of Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb. They defeated the current champs of Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owen, 10 minutes and 56 seconds to become the new heavyweight IWGP Tag Team Champions. I remember very little of this one. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Jeff Cobb going for the tour of the islands and it not working. And then I remember Jeff Cobb going for the tour of the islands and winning. (laughs) Anything else? (laughs) Yeah. This this match, uh, it was very inoffensive. It was your gentleman's three matchup. It was fine. Um, You know, Chase hit some C triggers. Fale, you know, barreled around the ring. Um, it, it was it was a fine matchup, uh, like you mentioned. Uh, towards the end, uh, Jeff Cobb was able to uh, hit the tour of the islands on uh, Chase Owens to get the win for the team, and now they are once again uh, the IWGP Tag Champs, two-time champs. And then uh, after the match, friend of the show, our good friend Rocky Romero, he decided to hit the ring and you know <laughs> try to get some revenge <laughs> on Ocon and Cobb and. Obviously, that, that did not work out for our buddy Rocky here. He got beat down uh, two on one and was left laying by Ocon and Cobb. I mean, the uh, great Ocon is he's returned from America, a different man. He's, he's, been, <laughs> <laughs> he's been on a Las Vegas binge. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a different, he's now a, somebody, he's the cool AF flag bearer of the United Empire. <laughs> like, <laughs> you do not mess with this version of great Ocon. <laughs> Like, oh, poor. I liked how uh, the commentary was just like, maybe that wasn't the smartest tax from Rocky. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, into a whole team. <laughs> like, what was the game plan there? Like, just you by yourself against <laughs> these huge men, Cobb and Great Old Cobb. Like, at least bring a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Not even with a weapon <laughs> or right. anything. Just <laughs> uh, but clearly, that's going to build up. To some kind of tag match that we saw a couple weeks ago that Gray O'Conn, Jeff Cobb, that attacked FTR and a Pungi Vice. So it seems like we're going to get potentially maybe a triple threat match, maybe both tiles on the line, Jeff Cobb, Gray O'Conn versus FTR versus Pungi Vice. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure more will play out on Dynamite 
uh, tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening to uh, this episode. Yeah, and given the match announced, I feel like that's pretty much a given <laughs> that we're uh, heading in that direction. Yeah. So then after this matchup, we got the very well-anticipated uh, G1 Climax announcement with the participants. Uh, we had a, uh, in, the, in the video, um, it announced you know, a little bit of a shakeup on the normal G1 format. So this year, we're going to have 28 wrestlers spread across four blocks with seven competitors in each block. This will be the second time ever that a G1 has had four blocks, the first time being in the year 2000. But with 28 entries, though, this year, this will be the largest uh, G1 tournament in New Japan's history. So uh, what do you think about this uh, new format? I know the young boy, he's actually been clamoring since we've been doing the show that the G1 should switch back to a four-block format to give the guys more rest, you protect more matches. So I know he was very happy that, you know, to finally let's see this uh, four-man, this four-block tournament return. Yeah, it seems to be designed for that almost, uh, especially because like the seven, there's seven people in a block as well. So even when it's your block's turn, everybody gets at least one round's proper rest as well. Yeah, which is uh, like if it's by design, which th- that that should result in better matches, and it, it's better for everybody. It should result in a high quality match, and it's uh, you, and they're more rested as well. It's, it seems like it's better for all in this circumstance. I, I yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, the obviously from somebody who's going to be covering the event for a website, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were talking before we recorded. Yeah, my wedding is like smack dab in the middle of like the you know what the G1 really picks up towards the end there. Um, so that's going to be uh, some interesting uh, watching for me trying to catch up on that that week. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it should be a lot of fun. The four block four block format should be interesting. Like like we mentioned, it's going to help you know, give guys some rest, protect some matchups, you know, that they burn through a lot of singles matches during the G1 Climax, and we do get a lot of repeat matchups, and we do have some fresh blood in the tournament this year. So with that format and with some new faces, we should save some matchups, have some intriguing matchups as well. So overall, I think it's going to be a good change for this year. Oh, 100%. And the fact that it's, uh, because it's only seven guys in each block, you're not getting a lot of kind of overlapping interaction in a way. You can put them in there with guys that they've not faced for quite a while or have your definite winners or whatever. It just, you know, you can keep certain people away from each other. Right. <laughs> this is good. Like, don't want to see Yudra and Takahashi versus Chase Owens. Because that was part of it, in terms of the actual line, it was like, um, should it be these kind of guys, like Yudra and Takahashi and Chase Owens should be in there. And it's been the case I've said for Chase Owens <laughs> for years of, Somebody's gonna take the pin, <laughs> and that, that for me, that's like these people are perfect for those blocks. Like someone's gonna finish last, and these are perfect finishing last candidates. Can have a good showing. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, there's definitely uh, maybe a couple of those guys I wish could have been replaced. Uh, but obviously, with the visa process still being a long issue, we, we did get some new guys. But like you mentioned, we do need some guys to eat pins and. People who are going to go, you know, have like two or four points <laughs> at the end of this <laughs> thing. So it definitely makes sense. So uh, the full lineup here, Kazuchika Okada, Tamatanga, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Filthy Tom Lawler, Jonah, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, Toriyano, Tomohiro Ishii, Jeff Cobb, The Great Okan, 
Will Ospreay, Aaron Hanare, Shingo Takagi, Sonata, Tetsuya Naito, Switchblade Jay White, Evil, Kenta, Yujiro Takahashi, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Juice Robinson, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, David Finley, and El Phantasmo. Awesome. I love, I love, there's so many names in there, which it, it's, it's difficult to not get excited. And it's well, part of it as well for me is uh, I'm not really, I'm not, I, I don't feel um, like too strong of, of a gustful reaction to the lineup, mostly because I don't know how they're going to line up once they're in their blocks. I don't really know the format yet. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The big thing yeah, is who's going to be in what block. But I mean, overall, I think it's a solid lineup. Uh, Lance Archer being back, um, you know, he was on a hot streak in 2018 or 2019, whenever that was. And he was in the, the G1. He really broke through uh, in that tournament. So it's going to be good to see him back. He got the biggest uh, pop during this uh, video announcement. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, there were some points where the crowds were making noises, and when Archer popped up on the screen, he got a big, oh, like people <laughs> clapping and cheering. Very excited to see the, the Murder Hawk monster coming back to Japan. El Phantasmo got a big pop as well for him being included in the tournament. Uh, Filthy Tom Lawler did as well. Um, so it seems that people are really excited for some of the foreigners that are coming in. So, you know, some debuts. You know, this is going to be Tom Lawler's first G1, Jonah's first G1, El Phantasmo's first G1, David Finley's First G1, so uh, Aaron Hanare, another guy getting his first G1, so a lot of guys getting their first G1s. Archer back for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, Jay White wasn't in it last year. He's back in the tournament. Um, Osprey's back in the tournament. So a lot of guys coming back, a lot of fresh faceships. I, I think we're going to get a lot of interesting matchups uh, in this tournament. Yeah, it's, it's another one where you look at the part of it when the lineups get announced, you just start putting together what matches you think will be the dream matches of this G1. And there's so many. And uh, part of it as well is I look at it and I've got absolutely no idea who's going to win. And the, the way they've really, really added to that is what happened in the main event. Suddenly it's even more open who could possibly be winning. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I'm completely, I've got no idea, but I've got a whole list of names I'd be happy to win. <laughs> this is the best scenario. Yeah, it's very interesting to see who is going to come up and win this year's tournament. Like you mentioned, the main event shakes some things up. And then obviously with this new uh, four-block format, that completely shakes things up because then you're going to have a A-block winner, a B-block winner, a C-block winner, and a D-block winner. And you're going to have some kind of semifinal. I don't know if they're going to do A versus B and C versus D or they're going to do A versus D and B versus C. I don't know how they're going to mix that up on that uh, second and final night. And then you're going to get an overall final on the conclusion of the tournament, um, August, I think, 18th or 19th, um, when the tournament ends. Um, so the whole format shift is going to be very unpredictable, and it's going to be very exciting to see who does end up coming out as the winner this year. And it's not have David Finley in there and have it not have him in C-Block. Like, oh, after <laughs> years. <laughs> they, ha- they have to put Finley in C-Block. That's like the yeah. ultimate rib, like... Like, it's yeah. like Finley, like Chase, Utero, like <laughs> all those guys have, yeah. to, have to be in the C block. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're such a missed opportunity. <laughs> and I'm, sh- I'm sure Gado followed that bit. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't just us. He has to. I, I hope he does. Uh, yeah. so we're, um, oh, I hope Finley's backstage campaigning for it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> 
Uh, we have some questions here about uh, the G1 announcement. Uh, first from the Dark Soldier. He said, Archer being the AEW representative is great. If AEW is not going to do stuff with him, let him in. But is there another AEW talent you personally wish took part in the G1? There's the one that I personally wish, and then there's the realistic options. <laughs> As it, like Personally, Brian Danielson. Yes. Just top of the list. Uh, and every, yes, there are awesome names in there that I'd also like. Wouldn't mind seeing that with Joe really well. But uh, Brian Danielson is the one. Put him in a block with Shingo and, and others. <laughs> it's like yeah, Shingo, Zach Saber Junior. <laughs> Brian Danielson in there. It's like good God. Oh, maybe, maybe Sonata as well for your technical wizardry. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah, the ultimate block. <laughs> but reality, reality, like AEW are struggling right now with quite a lot of different things just hitting them left, right, and center. And uh, Brian Denison maybe being a little bit injured as well. Like they're not risking any top name, like at all. So someone like Lance Archer is absolutely perfect. Like to be fair, Trent wouldn't have been a bad one either. Mm. <laughs> kind of like in that bracket of solid can go, but isn't really hasn't really got much of a direction really in AW. And of course, it has to be a guy that J- the Japanese audience will also know, like Lance Archer, who happens to be on a white hot street when he left New Japan. Uh, when the pandemic hit and everything, it's like, yeah, there's so many great options, so many great options, uh, which is why I think it has to create two lists of, uh, yeah, the realistic and the imp goes on a fantasy booking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans, we wanted to see Brian Danielson, we wanted to see Kenny Omega, we wanted to see John Moxley, we wanted to see all these top. AW guys beating the G1, and that just wasn't going to be realistic this year for a number of reasons. Obviously, the visa process is still one that's been a very long process. Also, like you mentioned, AW, a lot of top guys. Like Kenny, Kenny's hurt. CM Punk's hurt now. You still need some top guys to, to help hold the promotion up until those guys come back. Also, I know a lot of those guys don't want to work New Japan until Fans are allowed to cheer again, so that's, that was another uh, you know wrench there that was causing some, some issues probably to get some guys over. Uh, but ultimately, I do think eventually we'll get those guys. I think it's kind of a slow burn of getting AEW guys in there. Um, as far as some realistic ones, I was expecting maybe Eddie Kingston to be in it. Eddie has been doing a lot of stuff on New Japan Strong. He had that match with Ishii at Capital Collision in D.C., Last month, um, he had that great match with Gabriel Kidd on Strong earlier this year. So it seemed like maybe he might have been a guy that they were warming up to being it. Uh, Brody King, who defeated Suzuki at Capital Collision, I thought he was a guy uh, who was going to be in it as well. Uh, so interesting that some of those guys didn't get in, but maybe TK has plans with those guys over the summer and they weren't able to get in. Yeah, they're, they're all names that they could have been like big, especially Eddie Kingston, who's currently in the blood and guts scenario. Like my assumption is, it's just got plans for him. <laughs> so you're not really gonna get him to. Even though Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii has me salivating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, one interesting name missing from the domestic side is Minoru Suzuki. He's not in this year's tournament, which is uh, very interesting. You would think, especially with this big of a feel, that Suzuki mm-hmm. would be in it. I wonder if he's doing another US tour or something or what the reason is for suzuki not being here uh it's suzuki so i'll say someone else paid more (laughs) this is where he goes he won't turn up (laughs) he's like you know know what gato uh you know gcw is gonna pay me a lot of money to uh (laughs) wrestle effie so 
I'm going to stay in the States <laughs> for the summer. I'll, I'll pass on the G1. <laughs> I, would, I, I would just say, just the idea of uh, Effie being with his whole stuff with Jeff Jarrett, Jeff shouting about, you pussy, you ran away, <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And to really big it up, well, like somebody ran away from me. Like, I'm, I'm so cool. And then, then Minoru Suzuki comes out. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> it'd be perfect. Uh, Hawaiian Punch BV asks, how much better will the G1 field be if they replaced Fale, Udro, and Owens with guys like Anderson, Carl Fredericks, and T-Hawk? I feel like like Fredericks is possibly one of the names I would try and slot in because he's, again, because he's like progressing from a young line, he's perfectly fine to finish bottom. So I don't see the, I don't see the harm in putting him in there, especially when you've got all reliable hands, Udro, Takahashi. Uh, there, yeah. <laughs> That's the best way. I, when I try to explain Yuji Takashi in a G one, I normally just go, "He's there." <laughs> 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 like it's like yes, we'd lose Peter, but I feel like the trade. <laughs> I feel like it's fine. <laughs> like on balance of everything, <laughs> do you <laughs> like? Do you want Peter, or do you want to have to watch Yuji Takahashi wrestle? <laughs> like it's, oh. <laughs> it's definitely a trade off there. Um, you know, my, my only hesitation for having somebody like Carl Fredericks or maybe Alex Coughlin in the G1, it seems like these L.A. Dojo guys, even though they've graduated, they're still kind of in this weird kind of excursion period. And I really feel like, especially the guys who are going to be heavyweight, I want them to come up and be like top guys. I don't want them to be seen as young lions and go in there and eat a bunch of pins. I think... Right now, is they're, they're kind of past that. I, in my opinion, I feel like these guys seem to come in and be pushed a little bit harder. Like with Clark Connors in the best super juniors, he's still still treated in that young line role, um, eating a lot of pinfalls. Um, I, I just think like he's been doing so well on New Japan Strong here in America. I felt like he could have gotten a little bit better of a push in that tournament, and so I feel like these other LA Dojo guys like Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin. I think those guys need to be protected a little bit more um, when they do come into Japan. Yeah, and I feel like that's why it's good they're not in the G1, because if they are, they'll just be taking losses, which hurts the long-time game so much more than if you introduce them in a much bigger way at some point, whenever that is. Uh, and I can understand frustration that, that where's the progression for these guys, but uh, hopefully with doors opening a lot more in terms of uh, travel, that it's, there is some kind of thing gets put in place. So there is a progress. Because obviously, it'd be really weird for New Japan to put in all this effort into the American side to then just not bring them over. That would be so weird. <laughs> it makes all the sense. In the, like, surely at some point there will be a, a progression set up. It's just that the pandemic screwed up everything. Yeah. And I don't know when they're going to open that door again. Yeah, and Fredericks was somebody, even when he was a young lion, they were very high on him. They protected him. He won the Young Lions Cup in, in 2019. So, also, they, they see a lot of things for Carl Fredericks, and he's been one of the top guys on New Japan Strong, so that show's been going. Um, so, I think eventually he'll be there, And but I want him to be a top guy when he's there. Um, T-Hawk is another name that um, I thought would have been a great addition. He did rumor wanting to be in the G1, and we saw him mixing it up um, with Okada in a multi-man matchup um, last month. Uh, so, yeah, he would have been a great name, a great, you know, outside foreigner to, to be, or excuse me, outside domestic talent to be in the tournament. Um, so I'm wondering what happened there uh, with the breakdown there. Maybe there were some Glate shows that he had to be in. I don't know, but Tiak would have been fun uh, to be in this tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, could you also, I guess, argue for Shima as well? But then, yeah, Shima. I, I was, yeah, I was yeah. maybe Shima too, because obviously we, we saw L. Lindemann from Glayton Stronghearts in the Super Junior. So I was expecting at least Shima or T Hawk to uh, be in this tournament. Yeah, it's it's. If they were in there, would I be happy if they were the ones taking the losses? <laughs> is the other question I kind of have to ask myself. Team, I think, can take it. That, that'd be fine. Give them a couple wins and then just, oh, no, I've just got a bit of bad luck. Uh, or I got put in the block of death. That's the other thing you have to do as well. Mm-hmm. The thing I've learned from being a football fan, watching World Cups, you have at least one group of death. Where it's just <laughs> like, oh, God, there is so much talent here. <laughs> like, oh, dear. Uh, like... He could even be perfect, or uh, if Naito's taking a little bit more of a backseat to the other lads in the uh, stable, mm-hmm. he could put him in the group of death. Well, he puts on amazing performances, but it's the group of death <laughs> where it's so strong, but ultimately nobody loses because you're up against some of the toughest competition in one group. Um, yeah, I mean that's just me saying. Please, I don't really, I don't want a block where it's blatantly. Blatantly, who's going to get through because they're with crap? Yeah, <laughs> bottom of the barrel stuff. Yeah, I, w- I want a big beefy block with uh, oh, yes. Jonah, Ishii, Cobb, uh, Shingo, uh, oh. Archer. It's oh. like these, these big guys just like throwing, throwing bombs at each other. Oh, the beef block oh. <laughs> brought to you by Biggie. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> who's getting chopped tonight? Oh. <laughs> what was it? Oh, the um. Big beefy, big beefy men. Oh, no, what, uh, what did Biggie say? Uh, big, big beefy men slapping meat. Oh, slapping that meat. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's the bit. Like, oh, yeah, slap that meat. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm with you. Give me the beef block. Make it B block so it all works <laughs> onomatopoeically. <laughs> Give me all that. Yeah. Oh, yes, the beef block. Ugh. I'm looking who else should be in the beef block. Oh, Jeff Cobb, yes. Yeah, Cobb definitely has to be there, yeah. Cobb, yeah. <laughs> and I guess seventh could be Aaron Hanare. He's 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 quite a beefy rugby boy. Yeah, <laughs> he could take it. And he, he's getting over uh, the full Nelson. That's one of his new finishers. So yeah, you know, big beefy strong boy. He's got mustache and cool play, pair of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and then clearly he's learning to box from world champion boxers. So oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put put him in the beef box. <laughs> you, you got you got to stop getting me hyped for ideas that won't happen. <laughs> got Finley the C block. <laughs> We've got the beef block. We've got the group of death. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Viking Pan has a few questions here. First it says, so if Noah Bushi in the G1 this year, is it officially time to panic? Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, depends what the level of panic would be for you personally. <laughs> I, I guess the pa- if the panic is, is that him possibly done with New Japan? And as, far, as far as I can tell, Given that communications have kind of broke down a little bit, he's not gonna like any time soon, uh, really. So I, I was never expecting him for the G1 because it, it'll be really w- something would tell me Abushi's not gonna take the suggestion from them of entering the G1 that lightly, that well right now. Right. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they never even floated it. Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see him not announce. Obviously, he's still recovering from the shoulder injury and then all the stuff that's been going on with his mom and then the offices and all that stuff that's been going on. I wasn't expecting him to be in the tournament. Unlike um, you, I, I think it's uh, very doubtful whether we will see Ibushi wrestle in New Japan ever again because even after that big 
press conference, Abushi was still tweeting. There still seemed to be there was some miscommunication and some issues. And then he's been tweeting, you know, asking people who knows how to build a three-sided ring and a five-sided ring. So <laughs> clearly, I think he's just going to run out his contract and then maybe start back up, you know, the Abushi Wrestling Institute or, you know, create some wacky promotion of his uh, with his three-sided and five-sided ring. <laughs> well, if you put a load of three-sided rings on the corners of a five-sided ring, you've got a star. <laughs> oh, there, there, there you go. <laughs> so you did make a literal star ring. <laughs> the, the, the gold, the golden star ring. <laughs> it make in terms of trying to tell a logical wrestling story inside of it, it makes no sense. There's so many corners on a star. It's so weird. Uh, but lots of ropes to flip over, I yeah. guess. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, Abushi uh, is a a great talent, and it's definitely he is always a top performer in the G1 climax, so he's definitely going to be missed, but I do feel like we still have a ton of great names in the tournament this year. Um, so I don't think it's anything to to be worried about with him not being in the tournament this year. Uh, he- yeah, and, and the, I guess in terms of the uh, state of Ibushi himself, I feel like uh, this doesn't really say anything on that that we didn't already know. Really, yeah. In, in terms of like business relationships or whatever, yeah, but yeah, it makes this follow this tracks. They wouldn't be in G one. Yeah. He also asked with NJPW expanding the G one to twenty eight men this year, along with four blocks. Is this close to the idea that you guys had in the past about a four man block? Yes, this is something that um, Josh talked about all the time about. You know, how can you shake the G one up? How can you make it better? Um, Josh always you know, talked about having a four man block. Like we mentioned earlier, you um, guys have less matchups. So this year, guys are only going to have six matches each instead of having nine matches each. And then plus you uh, protect some matchups. Guys are going to each have at least one off night where they're not wrestling at all. So there's a lot of benefits to this block. You're, you're saving matchups. You're not burning through bigger matchups that you could use for Wrestle Kingdom or other uh, bigger shows throughout the year. So there's a ton of benefits uh, with this new four-man uh, or four-block uh, format. And the... Oh, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say, there's the added scenario of somebody not wrestling on the final day because they got the they got that rotation. So some somebody isn't even wrestling on that final day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, I don't know, is that perfect for Jay White to just say, I didn't even wrestle and I won? <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and his last question here is, is it cool that Tom Lawler and Jonah Rock got G1 invites, but neither men are the NJPW strong champion? Wouldn't it be better to send the strong champion, Fred Rosser, to one of the most prestigious tournaments in pro wrestling as a representative of NJPW strong instead? I don't know if it feeds into what you talked about with AEW earlier, where you don't send your champion over because then you, you don't have your champion for any shows. <laughs> maybe or because they are within the new japan system uh i could also see for the other way like like, like yeah, yeah like it was saying with message like yeah it, it it'd be a great way to showcase strong on a bigger stage is to actually have the champion because it's within the promotion it's not quite the same as what we're talking about with aw but obviously aw need to keep putting on their own stuff but new japan strong i don't i don't i personally don't see the harm in sending us over well I think, to, I think the issue is there there are strong tapings happening Throughout the G1, so they, mm. they need the strong champion uh, there for those tours. 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. In terms of, yeah, in terms of uh, that, I mean, yeah, it falls into that same AW thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, they need him there for the tapings. Is that, yeah. Obviously, like, you could, they could have organized it differently, <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> right, <laughs> so now they yeah. need him. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, Less Commission 7252 asks, what shenanigans can y'all predict for this year's G1? We had G.O.D. and Fale, multiple interferences in 2018. And evil cheating his way through his matches last year. So what else can we expect? Oh, I love it. Obviously, this is the most predictable answer, but I love myself a good Yano arc. <laughs> 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 just uh, like, oh, even put him in the in the beef block. <laughs> just like, it's like, oh no. <laughs> he, he vows to, you know, be a, a big strong boy for the tournament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just uh, like the Santino Moreno pose where he would just kind of like beef up and like, oh yeah, it's got big muscles. <laughs> just down to the ring. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I love the yeah, no shenanigans. I personally, like, for me, the evil shenanigans get tired very quickly. And they're quite, they've done it in the past, I think. I think they might have done it with uh, when Tamatonga was in one of them. Where it was just a whole, uh, uh, they were like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it seriously." And they're like two matches in, they were like, "Nah, I'm just gonna cheat now. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. care." <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, I don't mind the character beat, but then I still have to watch these matches, and now they're purposefully shit." Yeah, <laughs> almost like that's not entertaining. And well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to expect with Yano. That's the best thing about him; he can do anything. As long as, he, as long as the spot contains tape and scissors, he can do anything. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> crazy uh... man. And we have a ton of Bullet Club guys in this tournament. Uh, you know, there's obviously Jay, Evil, Fale, Yudro, Kenta, Chase, Juice, Phantasmo. So there, there's a ton of Bullet Club. So I'm sure we're going to see some kind of shenanigans there. Uh, clearly, House of Torture, their position in Bullet Club still in question. So maybe we get some progression on the Bullet Club Civil War there. Maybe some of these guys that are in Bull Club that are on J side have to butt heads with each other, and we see something happen there. So I mean, we're gonna get something with Bull Club with so many members in the tournament this year. But I wouldn't mind if you've got like a Bullet Club guy, the House of Torture guy, within the same block, and you do that for a couple of blocks. Like, I wouldn't mind that personally, just to just grind that little thing that's maybe there, and you just kind of twist that knife a little bit, just <laughs> yeah. to uh, just to show. Maybe put Jay and Evil in the same block. Just, just to twist the knife a little bit, just to, uh, just, just to, yeah. For me, that's where the G one is absolutely perfect for that sort of thing, where you're never going to put them in a match against each other, but uh, you can hint that maybe they're being a, a little faction there. Yeah, I think that'd be a good call doing J and Evil. So after the G one announcement, uh, they return back to action with the interim AEW World Title Title Eliminator match. With the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeating Hiroki Goto 12 minutes and 39 seconds. The most simple title eliminator tournament you've ever come across in your life, Jeremy. It's so simple. (laughs) 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 I love the gag of someone just saying, all you needed was Mike Tanay going, it's simple, guys. (laughs) It's so simple. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously, TNA this week, bring back the reverse battle royal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The most convoluted match, <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> You're fighting to get in the ring. 
and then you have a battle royale where you throw each other over the top rope, so it's the opposite of what you've done at the start. Then you have a singles match for some reason. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, every step you're like, why? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I love it. yeah, the most <laughs> convoluted one, of the worst matches in history. <laughs> they're bringing back yeah. for their uh, 20th anniversary. But yeah, they met the room. They met the room following the <laughs> AEW title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, limited tournament. So on the AEW side, obviously last week there was the Casino Battle Royal, which Kyle O'Reilly won, which led to the main event of Kyle O'Reilly facing John Moxley, with John Moxley defeating Kyle O'Reilly. So John Moxley advanced on the AEW side, and here on the New Japan side, we had old rivals Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto wrestling it out, and with Tanahashi winning, that means Tanahashi is going to go to Forbidden Door to face John Moxley. So the winner of Mox and Tanahashi will be the interim AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, but quick matchup here between Tanahashi and Goto. These guys didn't go all out at all. It was still a very good match. I went three and a half on it, but it wasn't a, a banger that you might expect with the names of Tanahashi and Goto. I think they kind of went out there. Did some of the hits, had some good sequences, and then uh, Tanahashi putting Goto away with the high fly flow. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up absolutely perfectly. They yeah, they did the hits, did a perfectly fine showing. It's like they were aiming for three stars, but because they're so good, they accidentally did higher. <laughs> That's pretty much what this was for me. It wasn't anything super exceptional. But I know both lads can go. Like One of my favorite New Japan matches is uh, Tanahashi versus Goto from... 2009, I think it is, is when Goto had just returned. It's either 9 or 10. But yeah, it's a playing heel Tanahashi. So it's such a <laughs> unique match. And it's so good. The crowd go absolutely crazy for it. And just the... So I know these guys can go. And, and uh, you don't see them wrestle like too often. So it's uh, nice and fresh. They, they were highlighting that on the commentary as well. Just the, uh, the, the fact that you don't really see these wrestle that much. And it's been a really long time since they wrestled outside of a G1. Right. Which, uh, so it, it was kind of a spectacle in that sense, but yeah, as we were saying, like, yeah, they, they did the hits from, from their matches that they do, and it, it was fine. So, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's, it obviously, it's setting up a much bigger match down the line. Uh, yeah. This this wasn't the big match, and this was then kind of getting you ready for the actual big matches on this card. Uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, there was a near fall toward, towards the end where Goto caught Tanahashi in, in a cradle. And it was a very close near fall. Like, Tanahashi kicked out 2.9. I was like, oh, my gosh. Is, 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 is Goto winning? Is Goto going to Chicago? <laughs> uh, the, the meme took off. And you don't you don't want to Morbius this. <laughs> like, this week, the room. And uh, but, oh, I love that. I love how people are signing up petitions. Like, just like, oh, oh, by the way, Warner Brothers, like, uh, we were all just busy that weekend. Like, if you just re-release it again, we promise we'll go this time. <laughs> we're just all really busy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, fool me once, <laughs> don't get me again. But yeah, yeah, you don't Morbius Goto. Like, I'm not saying Goto's Morbius. I just realised comparison I'm making. <laughs> like, no, no, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> he's a great wrestler. Uh, uh, he's not. He's not a crap written made movie. <laughs> he's good. He's good. Uh, we had a question from the Dark Soldier. Says that AW and NJPW miss out on having O'Reilly versus Goto for the interim <laughs> AEW title while putting Mox and Tana and maybe the pre-show. I mean, they're up and coming talents. I feel like, yeah, and it'll be a nice little showcase for them just to be on the pre-show. Uh, hopefully, they can get some like some good support. <laughs> <laughs> Being in that match, uh, uh, no, 
<laughs> if I'll take the question seriously for a second. Yeah, no. cl- clearly no. Like a serious, like no, that, that would be a horrible uh, business move. But clearly we're getting a big matchup here for Forbidden Door in Chicago, June 26th. John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW world title. This is a match that's almost, what, like two years in the making now. These guys have missed mm. each other. Uh, so much now, and there's been scenarios where it seemed like we were going to get Moxley versus Tanahashi one-on-one several times, but now we are finally getting it in Chicago on Forbidden Door for the interim AEW title. I think it's going to be a great main event. Oh, it's going to be... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited for it, especially as we've come so close to seeing it, and then something's Mm -hmm. happened every time. Mm-hmm. So it's just to that point where New Japan have been accidentally building to this for years. <laughs> well, not like, never meant to. Right. <laughs> they just kept going against them, and now we're finally at a part where, again, commentary doing an amazing job just explaining the, the progression of the title. It's just the fact that it's just missed out so many times, and finally it is set a match that. As, yeah, as you're saying, has now been built for two years completely by accident. It's got a load of hype now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, CM Punk Tanahashi was like a match of two guys from that generation who've never met because they're on other sides of the world. That, for me, that was like, like a generational match uh, to be able to see that. And obviously, it sucks that uh, CM Punk's got his injured foot uh, and a speedy recovery. But yeah, this is a match now which has accidentally been built to. It's absolutely perfect. I saw Moxie referred to as like AW going with the safe card to play. Um, well, for me, it was kind of the most logical one to play, given that, especially from the New Japan side, we look at it from that way. From that side, it's a match. It's the biggest match they've accidentally hyped up by being not being able to deliver it. <laughs> so finally, you're right here. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it was the right move. Personally, I'm more excited for Moxley and Tanahashi than the potential of Tanahashi and CM Punk. Uh, like, man, with, with just the history that's been built up around Moxley and Tanahashi and how they've kind of been dodging each other and missing each other due to different circumstances, uh, I think this is the perfect culmination of all those mishaps finally happening here in Chicago. Yeah, and then he could, of course, crown Tanahashi as your champion and have him be on AEW all the time. <laughs> Just have every show air end in an air guitar party with pyro and everything. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to see the, uh, the ace as the interim AEW champ. You know, unfortunately, that's going to mm. be he's going to be in the G one, and I don't think TK is going to want the interim champ in the G one, eating some losses and not being able to be on uh, Dynamite and Rampage. Um, so. Yes, unfortunately, I won't be getting my massive air guitar pyro session. (laughs) Maybe one day. Maybe one day. (laughs) Never say never. I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed, and I'll keep (laughs) I'll keep sending my messages to Tony when I when I when I invoice him because obviously we're all paid by Tony Khan. Of of (laughs) course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll attach a clip note. Uh, so the next matchup, we had the provisional KOPW 2022 title matchup, 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble match. The provisional champion, the Dragon, Shingo Takagi, retains and defeated Taichi, obviously in 10 minutes. What do you think about this 10-minute uh, unlimited pinfall scramble match? I thought this was so fun. 
<laughs> I, I, this was, it was, it, it, yeah, an absolute blast of just 10 minutes of uh, building up that. You knew, you knew where it was going the second the bell rang. <laughs> Almost like every beat, and they did exactly what you would expect they would do. Just, um, it, it was, yeah, for me, it was the exact match I wanted. <laughs> and it was, it, for me, it was really, really good. I loved the idea of Shingo getting a lead and then Chi's having to catch up. And he just can't quite do it. Shingo just had that moment of dominance where he would have won a normal match. But because this is, you know, <laughs> this is King of Pro Wrestling, that Taichi just, he couldn't do enough. He couldn't fight back and win. And yeah, I love that idea. Because both of those look awesome in the end. Because of course, Shingo gets a dominant moment and then Taichi nearly does it, but not quite. So, oh, yeah. I absolutely love this. Yeah, definitely played off of the uh, the 30 count match that they had uh, previously for the KOPW Provisional Trophy. And in that matchup, Shingo was the one that was behind, had to come back from, from behind and end up winning towards the end. So it kind of made you think, oh, maybe they're doing a similar thing here this time. Taichi is the one that's behind. Maybe he's going to come back towards the end. But he came so close to the end. Uh, the final score uh, was 11 to 10. So... If people did not, if you guys haven't watched this matchup or you didn't understand what happened, pretty much every fall count equal to a point. So if somebody got a two count, that was two points for that person. If they got one count, one point. Three, three uh, counts, that was three points. Um, so the final score was being 11 to 10. So Shingo, um, you know, got control early in the matchup and, you know, pretty much was leading, had a heavy lead throughout. And then Taichi towards the end, just showing a ton of fire, no selling a lot of Shingo's big offense to... Uh, come back, hit the Gato clutch to get um, a great uh, set of points there. And he was so, so close to the end there of getting um, some points, but uh, was not able to get that one extra point he needed. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> this, this was needed given what was like after it in the card. <laughs> this was absolutely perfect here. Yeah, it, it was a ton of fun. These guys, the bell opened. They, they were throwing bombs straight as the, the bell rang, and then you have these guys doing a bunch of quick near falls, and you, you kind of got, it was almost like a second half of a match. Like, they kind of skipped out the feeling out process, and they, they went straight to the, to the the bombs, the clotheslines, the chops, and then all these, you know, fast uh, pinfalls, and this was, this was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It was almost like a, like a mix of a stardom high-speed match and a never-strong-style matchup here. They kind of combined both of those elements, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and again, to bring up what the state we're at this time last year, talking about Chase Owens and Yano going 30 minutes in a bloody <laughs> thing. And then we're getting this absolute blast of a match. Like, I want to I want to praise it because I want to keep seeing stuff like this. Yeah, I know. We've kind of been a little bit, you know, not the biggest fans of KLPW, especially when you had Yano doing all these weird, really weird, wacky stipulations. But if it's going to be stuff like this, I, I'm in for it. You know, Shingo just can't miss. And so the 30-count match was fun. This 10-minute uh, unlimited pinfall scramble was fun. So I'm enjoying the the Shingo reign as uh, KOPW, and I'm looking forward to see what other stipulations that they come up with as long as uh, Shingo is the provisional champion. Yeah, playing around with traditional wrestling rules rather than playing around with the arena <laughs> in weird <laughs> right ways. Yeah. Um, so we had a question from the Dark Soldier. Uh, he said, "Should NJPW wrestlers stop trying to have hopeful reigns? It never ends well. 
see Tai Chi with the KOPW trophy or Juice with the U.S. title back in 2018 and other examples. It's not like uh, in WWE where they would say, I'm going to bring the prestige back to the Intercontinental Championship and then they just, just don't defend it <laughs> or something like that. Like it's, it's um, yeah, it's uh, when I, whenever I watch New Japan, sometimes because I am still watching the American stuff, uh, I think I go to Japan and go, oh yeah, that's done quite well. <laughs> and then I forget to actually try and critique it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, oh yeah, this is competent. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know. No. <laughs> I, I like someone building. For me, one of the best things about Game of Thrones is people people building up their hopes and dreams and then dying so you saw none of it. <laughs> for me, uh, that's, uh, that's that's why the Red Wedding works so well. <laughs> it, you bloody saw Bob start making plans and you're like, oh, he's going to do this next. He's going to do that. No, no, he's not doing any of that. <laughs> he's <Right>. dead. <laughs> like, no. Right, and we know Gato, part of his booking tropes or booking styles is having tragedies and guys having these big goals and hopes, and then they fail and fail and fail until eventually they do get that triumphant moment where they succeed and are are able to capture whatever they're going after. Um, so in the case of you know Juice Robinson back in 2018 with the U.S. title, for him, I just think that um, there's just so many outside things out of his control that was kind of happening there, you know, with um, Cody challenging for the title and just some of the other stuff that was going around with the U.S. title. It just seemed like there were other people that they wanted to push instead of Juice, and that's why he had some kind of weird reigns there. Uh, but as far as Tai Chi with KOPW, um, to me, uh, clearly it just seems like maybe that was just like a transitional thing to get it off of Yano real quick and then to get it onto Shingo. I mean, Chingo won it, and it was on the cover of uh, Weekly Pro magazine in, in Japan. Like, obviously, him winning, winning the trophy, I think, was probably a good call because it's brought a lot of um, attention to it. And like we talked about, it's they're just using pro wrestling rules. They're just kind of changing it up a little bit. Um, and with Tai Chi, I don't know what Tai Chi's reign would have looked like. And obviously, down the line, he could always get it again. Um, but I think that was just kind of a transitional thing. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's probably the logical reason why they did it, and, the, and look at the result as well. As long as it seemingly, as long as it stays with Shingo, we'll get these playing with rules rules concepts, and they're so much more fun than kind of what it had been beforehand. Yeah. Uh, then Ethan Black on Twitter asks, "What's your honest opinion of the Toroyano Free KOPW 2022 title and Shingo's next?" Five stipulations, 20-minute unlimited pinfall match, 30-minute unlimited pinfall match, 40-minute unlimited pinfall match, 50-minute unlimited pinfall match, 60-minute unlimited pinfall match. Uh, no, 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 no. You don't go up. You don't go up. <laughs> you go down. <laughs> you go less and less time. Yeah. <laughs> to get to uh, the uh, Orange Cassidy's show or whatever, uh, GCW event from a WrestleMania weekend, where he had a Trent versus Chucky in a one-minute match. Mm. And it was... Score painful in one minute. <laughs> go. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you keep going. You go down and down and down until you got Shingo in a one-minute pin count. <laughs> one-minute, like, one-count match. <laughs> yeah. Like, 30 seconds in, one of them does get one pin. It's like, oh, crap, no, I'm going to get one now. <laughs> it's like, oh, the fun. Yeah, but like we were saying, I, I've been enjoying, uh, you know, the Yano free KOPW matches so far. Shingo has been doing a great job. Shingo, uh, one of my favorite guys in New Japan right now, and 
he can't miss. And even though it's KOPW and it's been goofy, he's done a great job of kind of making it more serious and having some really good matches with it. Yeah, long may his reign continue. <laughs> uh, so following that, we had the never open weight title match, and we had Machine Gun Carl Anderson defeating Tamatonga to become the new never open weight champion. Um, you know, one thing I loved about this matchup, you know, these guys are in a blood feud, and they didn't start with a lockup. They started with uh, Tama hitting a, a quick drop kick. Uh, to Carl Anderson and these guys uh, brawling around the arena, and you, you really felt like the, the hate and the the you know animosity between these two guys. Yeah, I I've uh, I like obviously I've watched Carl Anderson in New Japan before, and I really liked him back then. And for me, I really like Carl Anderson in New Japan. It seems it's the best fit for him. Like uh, they've been very open about how they weren't really trying whilst they're in Impact. Yeah, uh, I think. <laughs> I think that was evident by just watching them. <laughs> like it was just a bit. Uh, and uh, in WWE, uh, they were never really given the best to play with. On really, like they didn't really know if they wanted to be a proper club with AJ. So they kind of played around with it. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. And yeah, they never really got a kind of shake of consistency. But in New Japan, like he's an established guy, and his work work it works really well in uh, over there. And for me, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with how this match went. And uh, ov- obviously, just the playing on the fact that a lot of Carl Anderson's moves in Carl Anderson moving on, Tamatonga took them all on. So you saw a back and forth of the guys using a lot of the same moves and therefore knowing the counter. Uh, Tamatonga with his own kind of shake-up of the fact that he will like slither about and dip and dodge, which obviously Anderson never did. Uh, but that meant for me, like the ending of this match was really exciting. Because he got no idea, and Anderson winning was a complete surprise, like a complete shot. I just, as, for some reason, I just assumed this was going to be the story of Tamatonga getting that one up to really propel him as a singles guy, uh, especially as we knew at this point that Carl Anderson wasn't in the G1. Right, so, yeah. yeah. And yeah, personally to me, I, I think it was the wrong call. I think Tamatonga should have retained. Um, and I know Gato's whole, you know, thing this year has been to get heat, get heat. And I, I feel like they have gotten a, a ton of heat on, on Tama Tonga. Like majority of this feud, it's been Tama and Tanga and Jado getting jumped and beat down and losing multi-man matchups. And Tama finally got a bright shining moment at Dontaku by winning the never title, but then it was quickly jumped by Anderson and Gallows. And Tama Tonga really hasn't had a chance to get much comeuppance or to shine. And so especially with Anderson not being in the G1 and Tama being in the G1, um, I think that would have been a great thing to kind of propel him and be like, look, he beat this, uh, he beat a former G1 finalist in Carl Anderson. He's ready. He can be a real threat. He beat Okada in the G1 last year. This this is a guy that you want to look out for in the G1, um, but instead we're going with the heat model here. We're getting more heat, putting it on Anderson, and I'm guessing we're going to have this long journey of uh, Tama Tonga earning a rematch and finally beating Tamatonga and or be, beating Carl Anderson. And I'm sure it'll happen probably at a, on a bigger stage in the long run. It might be good, but right now I, I felt like it might've been the better option to go with Tamatonga. Yeah. It made all the, so that sometimes as fans, we can convince ourselves into a route that probably going by what's the most logical, what makes sense, what's come before, what's coming after, and everything just kind of pointed to, yeah, makes sense to elevate Tamatonga. Obviously, they they had a completely different plan. 
and they've uh, given Carl Anderson a bit more, I guess, oomph uh, in his return to the promotion, which for me makes all the sense of the world if he's then in the G1. The fact right. that he isn't is... That's that's the weird part, <laughs> in terms of because that means he's for this the next kind of period of uh, New Japan, he's got the title, but then you're not going to see him, so he doesn't get that oomph really. He kind of gets stalled again just because you're not featuring him, uh, which yeah, it's a little it's a little weird. Uh, unless in the G1 we see Tamatonga put in a good performance, and maybe that that could be the point. But I don't I don't see him having a massive performance in the G1. Well, yeah. I, he had a really good performance last year. It was kind of a, a breakout kind of moment for him mm-hmm. that crescendoed that, um, with the Okada matchup that he had where he finally beat Okada. That was a really great matchup for Tamatonga. Um, and it was, you know, night and day from that 2018 run that we got where um, mm-hmm. he was, like, getting DQ'd and just doing all this shenanigan stuff. Um, but, yeah, his t- uh, 2021 G1 was a ton of fun. That fiery Bay face side has been working really well for him. Um, so I think, you know, you get him in the right block with the right guys. I think he's a guy that can really excel and maybe catch some attention that people weren't expecting. C block. He's perfect. He can finish towards the top end. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the matchup here, I, I did enjoy the matchup. Um, you know, we did have some interference with uh, Gallows and Jado on the outside here. But overall, a lot of stuff that happened in the ring was good. Like you mentioned, a lot of this was built on the gun stun, which is Carl Anderson's move that was passed down Tamatonga. Tamatonga was um, kind of the, the young lion for Carl Anderson, and Carl Anderson kind of passed down all his stuff to Tamatonga, and Tama was supposed to be, you know, the general of Bullet Club and, and was for a long time until recently where he was uh, kicked out by Jay White. Um, so towards the end here, um, the closing stretch, we had Anderson distracting the referee, with uh, Doc Gowles getting involved again, which Tamatonga hit him with a gun stun, which allowed Anderson to hit Tam with a gun stun, and for Carl to get the win here and become the never champion, which uh, works out, too, in a way, because uh, Carl Anderson was a part of the uh, first-ever tournament to crown a never champion and lost in the finals to Masato Tanaka. So Anderson finally, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> capturing <laughs> the never weight championship. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a massive singles history in New Japan. Yeah, like he's uh, yeah, is <laughs> uh, maybe to us Western fans, maybe maybe it seems maybe it's an entirely different reaction over in Japan. Yeah, because like the history he's got in that promotion. Um, then Viking Pain asked, uh, "So when do you expect to see Kushida back? Maybe at Forbidden Door against Carl Anderson for the Never Title?" I've got no idea. Uh, um. I'm assuming he'll be back, but in what capacity? I've, I don't know because he, obviously he left not one because he wants to be elevated from junior, and then he uh, took a gamble and went to WWE, and he never seemed like a right fit, really in WWE. They didn't know what to do with him. He obviously he's a the point with Kashida is you just put him out there and have him do a wrestle, and he's great. WWE that seems mind-bogglingly wrong. Right? <laughs> like, how could that? No, that doesn't make sense. Even, even in Triple H's version of NXT, mm-hmm. like he still couldn't figure out how to use Kushida. Yeah, they they're like, oh yeah, so it's like a Back to the Futurey type thing. Cool. And then they never really figured out anything more than that, and never really went with anything in any direction. Really, he had an amazing match with Johnny Gargano in uh, the lockdown era. Yeah, uh, but aside from that, I don't have a lot of Kushida highlights. It was never 
obviously he was taking a gamble himself, but it felt like if he'd waited a year and then taken that same gamble, but with AEW, we'd be talking about an entirely different story. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so come back to New Japan. Uh, I've got no idea when he'll turn back. <laughs> Absolutely none. <laughs> and yeah. where he'll be in the card as well. Yeah, I mean, going against Carl Anderson, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's an interesting matchup. And with Carl Anderson as an ever champion and his relationship with the elite and the Young Bucks, you got to think that maybe this there was some politics here with Carl Anderson winning, and maybe, yeah, maybe Anderson is going to have some kind of matchup at Forbidden Door. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm assuming the relationship with their AW Impact stuff was fine. Yeah. Uh, I just remember one of the early reports saying that uh, they had to edit around them so much because they were doing so many, like, jerking off motions. <laughs> <Yeah. things. laughs> they were like, oh, God. We got to edit this main event so much because they keep doing things we can't air on TV. Yeah. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, so after that, we had the semi-main event of the evening for the vacant IWGP United States heavyweight title. And the Commonwealth kingpin, Will Ospreay, he defeated Sonata 12 minutes and 50 seconds. We've seen these guys uh, wrestle, obviously, when not when one of, when they are both fit, uh, quite a bit. I, I guess either, I guess them getting hurt a little bit has kind of helped this still feel a bit fresh, even though the reason Snada was out because it was a match with Will Osprey. Uh, yeah, it's just obviously not the match that was meant to be happening. We could get like the rare triple threat you don't often get in New Japan, uh, but instead we got another banger between these two. Like they're, they're great together, and uh, this wasn't my favorite match of theirs, but it was still really solid. And it's it's fact that you get Osprey's like athleticism and everything mixed in with uh, Sonata's really quick kind of technical side, and it makes such an enta- entertaining finale for it. And I felt like Osprey because sometimes a Sonata match it takes a little while to get going as they're setting up all the pieces, and then it all comes together in the end. Whilst I feel like Will Osprey's a perfect kind of wrestler just to keep that momentum rolling a bit more lively in those early stages. Uh, so he's like for me almost a perfect opponent for Sonata. He's not a Zack Sabre Jr. where he's going to match that pace and have a, just an incredible technical wizardry. But he uh, he keeps the flow going at a nice pace for a synagogue match. And yeah, by the end, just the counters, like, my God, it's the, the New Japan special of just uh, counter after counter after counter. It gets, gets to that point where you have absolutely no idea who's picking up that win. And uh, in the end, it was just, uh, could Osprey hit that hidden blade as, as he was... And again, a really nice note of him going for the uh, the face and the eye the entire time. Because uh, he's a baddie. Of course he would. <laughs> <laughs> of course he would. He's such a dick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, love the, I love the flow of this match. I love what they're setting up. I love how it all came to play in the end. And uh, every time Osprey goes, ah, my knee, I have that wrestling nerd thing of, ah, the knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this matchup. Um, you know, just 12 minutes, 50 seconds. This was a, a fast-paced, action-packed matchup from the opening bell. These guys are showing their 
athleticism with the kind of the quick, you know, sequences that they were doing at the beginning. And then this match was kind of like boom, 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 you know, move after move after move. A lot of sequences, a lot of quick near falls, uh, Osprey uh, busting up the, the sky twister to the outside, that kind of spiraling, you know, crossbody to the outside to Sonata. Uh, and like you mentioned, working over, you know, Sonata came back from an orbital bone injury. So uh, Osprey working over his face and also using the, the hidden blade and stuff like that. His hook kicks to uh, kind of affect the area. So also that was kind of a, you know, the weak point for Sonata. So that did help uh, Osprey uh, get the win. But yeah, there was so many great, like you mentioned, so many great counters and, and near falls between these guys. And they're great opponents for each other, like you mentioned. I really love their uh, their 2019 uh, G1 matchup that those guys had together. Um, so, yeah, they have great chemistry. It's just fast-paced, um, a lot of big moves. And then Osprey, you know, hit two hidden blades, hits the Stormbreaker, and is now the vacant, or now the new uh, IWGP U.S. champ. But one thing, the title was not there. Like we mentioned earlier, <laughs> the title is still with Juice Robinson it, right here in the United States. Uh, so Osprey was mad and saying, you know, New Japan was screwing him once again by <laughs> not having the title <laughs> in the country. And he's going on this whole rant. You know, you, you guys knew he was hurt. You should have took the title from him before he went back to the States to see the doctors. And now I'm the champion, but I don't have a belt to carry around. So <laughs> I just I love I just loved Osprey's reaction to that. Just as I as I uh, the referee going, OK, and then we're going to go underway. And then Osprey just like, you fucking what? <laughs> 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 Where's my fucking belt? Yeah, <laughs> what like, are you talking about? Like, Where's the belt? Where's the belt? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> this company. Yeah, yeah. In the, in, the, the in the backstage <laughs> you know, press conference, you know, he had his also his Rev Pro British title on the table, mm. and he's like, "Do any of you want to answer me? Like, what title is this? Like, what titles? <laughs> like, this is the British title." He's like, where is my U.S. title? <laughs> Look, I should be two belts Billy right now, but I'm not. <laughs> and it was able to bring out his bitterness as he's walking around just going, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> so, yes, I massively appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, it, Osprey uh, being pissed off that the fact that he was actually wrestling for the concept of a belt, <laughs> that's really pissed him off. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. Yeah. Well, with Osprey uh, being back in the U.S. this week, hopefully he, he did he did threaten to go by Orlando where Juice Robinson lives and to invade his house <laughs> and, <laughs> and get the title. So maybe we'll see Osprey. Maybe there'll be some footage of him breaking into Juice Robinson <laughs> and Tony Storm's apartment in Orlando or, or house wherever they live and uh, grabbing the title. <laughs> oh, I'd love it's like a like a thing to put up on YouTube. I'd yes, love that. <laughs> United Empire is a storming <laughs> Juice Robinson and Tony Storm's house. <laughs> oh, I could do it. Uh, I mean, if you want to do it with the DX invasion again, but the whole empire turns up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with a, a, a megaphone and everything. Yes, <laughs> oh, I'd love it. Oh, uh, had a couple questions here. Uh, Dark Soldier says, "How long before Osprey gets run over by a car or dies in a scooter accident with?" which results in the U.S. title being vacated and continuing its cursed run. Ah, I've already made the gag for this. <laughs> I made it earlier. Uh, he had his near-death experience before winning the belt. It's, it's a long game play. Maybe he's figured out. Maybe he's figured out how to do it. That's how you beat the curse, is you yourself become massively cursed. <laughs> you, you, you get cursed before you get the cursed title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fight, you're fighting fire with fire. You're fighting a curse with a curse. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, another question here about the curse from Viking Pain says, what blood sacrifice must be made to appease the wrestling gods to lift the IWGP US title curse? I mean, hopefully this year, that sac- it has been made. <laughs> so, so now that offered up his or- orbital bone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, we will get some stability here with the title of Osprey as a champion. I'm sure that probably wasn't the plan, clearly, uh, for Osprey to be the U.S. champion, but they have to go with it, and we're going into G1 season. I can't. I don't think there will be any defenses before the G1, so we'll, we'll get a full G1 with Osprey as a champion, and hopefully he, re- he keeps the belt for the remainder of the year. I think that would be the best call, have him go into the Dome um, in January as the U.S. champion, maybe have a big U.S. match against some somebody, I don't know who at the time, but give him a big U.S. title match, you know, develop some stability with that U.S. title and really make it mean something. Because I know a lot of the stuff that's been happening with it has not been in their control due to appendicitis and orbital bones and kidney infections and pandemics and tsunamis and all kinds of stuff has been out of their control. (laughs) Um, But as long as Osprey's healthy, I think they should keep the title on him, build some stability and make this title a, a true number two and try to get to that IC status. Yeah, and down the line, you can have Jonah win it with the tsunami. <laughs> so, full circle. Long-term storytelling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's talk about our main event here for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. The Switchblade, the catalyst, Jay White, Defeats the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, in 36 minutes and 5 seconds. We have a new IWGP world champion, the catalyst, Jay White. <laughs> because he wins, as uh, our friend Sam always puts it, that means that Jay White is making the Aussies proud. <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a true native of Australia. Oh, yeah, this, uh, this was... Again, this is the kind of match that we've seen from Jay White. It might be one of my favorite versions of it. Uh, maybe just because in those earlier stages, Jay White has gotten so good at chatting shit. And I love how, I love the dynamic of him. He's the only person I want, he's the only heel I want to watch during the clap, uh, the clapping era. Purely because of the way that he goads them. The way that he just tries to get, the, takes the piss out of them for not being able to clap. And whenever they did chant for, they start clapping for Okada, uh, I love that response. Like he's he's not. It's not just so kind of that he's taunting about the entire match. It just adds a, an awesome layer to it all. And yeah. uh, it's, it's it's so entertaining. He's so entertaining. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Okada. They won't cheer for you. I'm trying to get them to cheer for you. <laughs> yeah, Okada. Oh, and they start clapping it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> and I, I love the the new like too sweet chop thing he does. Like too mm. sweet, and then hits the chop. Oh. He does that on at Forbidden Door. It, it is over. Yeah, <laughs> just in an instant. <laughs> that's that's going to be so over that thing. And I mean, he's it's it's one of those where I'm so happy that he's getting his proper reign. New Japan do that quite a lot, where they'll give the initial like a short initial reign, and then they'll get a proper one down the line once they're like ready, ready. Uh, I guess Okada, uh, Naito is a good example. Do that with Naito as well. Yeah, but just to see that. Uh, Jay White's finally in that point where he can really enter that Switchblade era and 
Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the fact that we get that mix of the amazing counter sequences at the end. Yeah, that it, like New Japan special main event. But he's also so he's gotten better and better and better at talking shit, <laughs> just trashing his opponents, trashing the crowd, the arenas, yeah. and just everything. And that was almost his downfall in this match because he was just running his mouth the whole mm. time, and Okada would just get so pissed and hit him with a huge forearm. And that would happen several times throughout the match. Like Jay White just talking crap and you know messing around with Okada, and then Okada would just get pissed, like um, you know, channel that murder Ibushi energy, and mm. just like would just crack Jay with these huge big forearms, and Jay would just like crumble mm. to the ground. Uh, I thought that was awesome. And yeah, I thought this match was really, really good. I've seen a lot of people a little bit low on it, um, but I really enjoyed it. I know it was 36 minutes, but I thought it built so well. Um, and Jay kind of picking apart Okada. Um, was, you know, he was working on the ribs. There was a part where he kind of threw Okada into the, the barricade on his ribs, and he was hurt there. So he was working the ribs throughout the match, and then he was targeting the knees, and he was using that... Uh, the TTO, the, the Tanahashi tap out, and Tanahashi was on commentary, so he was doing that move like right in front of Tanahashi and, and taunting him uh, that way. And yeah, I thought Jay just did such a, a great job here, kind of picking apart Okada. Uh, but then Okada did a great job of kind of firing back, coming back from underneath, and you know taking it to Jay. And that that closing sequence uh, was so great because you know this year we've, we've seen Okada really develop that new sequence where he, he hits the the landslide tombstone and then he goes for the rainmaker and and that's been it so he he finally hits the landslide and at this point you're like oh like this is it like landslide he's gonna hit the rainmaker and this, you know we got, okada's gonna retain but he hits a sl- hits landslide he goes for the rainmaker then jay ducks hits the blade runner one two three we have a new champion because of the fact that he like slipped out of tombstones and things already earlier in the match, the fact that he hit both moves is like okay, yeah, this is it's what we've seen before. <laughs> this is it, and I love the uh, kind of the snap that that that's the that it has the blade runner. It's the fact that the way that he twisted round and just snapped him round is like oh god, yes. The, because sometimes when someone hits that finisher move, you can be like ah, this is one of the like, I see it all the time in WWE that they hit the finisher and you like. Yeah, they're gonna kick out of this. And it's meant to be like, a, oh my god, he kicked out of finish. It's like, well, no, it was, it was foretold. It's definitely gonna happen. Uh, but you can you can sense it amongst the crowd that as soon as he hit it, they were like, oh wait, oh god, he's actually winning. <laughs> just, yeah. That feeling just went across all of them because we're talking about the fact they couldn't clap and uh, Jay White was going for the entire match. As soon as he hit that switch played, they were like, the, the arena started rumbling. Yeah, you, you're this yeah. big gasp, like, oh, and oh, <laughs> as soon as he hit hit the uh, the Blade Runner and he won, like, uh, yeah, the crowd was kind of in shock there. But yeah, this was I thought it was a really good matchup. I, I went four and a half on it. Um, I, I think Jay White has like one of the most underrated move sets. Like you, you look at a lot of the stuff he does, like the Saito suplex to the outside on the apron, his German suplex, the, the sleeper suplex, the Kiwi Crusher, uh, the, the Blade Buster that he does. That's like his version of the Bloody Sunday. Uh, the Blade Runner, like, all, you look at his moveset, like, he just has this awesome set of moves and will just bust them out, especially during that, like, closing sequence. It's see them in the quick succession as well as they're trying to take down their opponent. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, for me, that's my favorite thing about the New Japan main event style, just when they start 
they're hitting their big moves like one after the other, but they're constantly countering each other, so you never know which one's going to be hit. And then Okada just does like a ten foot drop kick, <laughs> however high, <laughs> as vertical as he goes. Like it, yeah. I um, I love these ending sequences, and uh, this was uh, is one of the better ones between Okada and uh, White as well. Yeah, I mean, we did have um, a little bit of interference at one point in the match where uh, Gato slid a chair in the ring. Um, he would distract Okada, uh, but then another part would get distracted the ref, which let Jay do a low blow. But even with those kind of minor interferences, it still felt like a pretty clean victory because I think Okada quickly recovered after the interference spot. So it did still kind of feel like Jay put him away pretty clean. I mean, also you can argue the different interference spots, but I mean, towards the end, I mean, I mean, Red Shoes was only down for it wasn't like a super long ref bump like you would see in an evil match. Like he was. Up pretty quickly, um, and then yeah, gets Blade Runner gets the big win here. Um, so new uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion uh, post match, he's cutting this promo and he's telling the fans, you know, cheer for me, cheer for me. You know, before I left on excursion here in Osaka, you know, several years ago, I said you guys are my family. Well, if you're my family, cheer for me. And you did have um, a good uh, portion of the crowd that was getting vocal and, and cheering and making some noise for him, which was a uh, Pretty interesting to hear since we haven't heard cheering in Japan for, you know, two years now. Um, so the crowd uh, very uh, behind uh, Jay White here. And also Jay is uh, bragging about selling out Madison Square Garden and now the United Center. And also talking about the Switchblade era. And then the, the post-match, obviously, he was uh, talking about Hangman Page and him not getting a title shot. And his friends had to make a company for him to be a top guy and all this. So... I'm not quite sure what direction they're going to go for Forbidden Door. We could get a three-way with Cole, Hangman, and Jay. We could get a four-way with Okada in the mix, or we can get two singles with Jay versus Hangman and Cole versus Okada. I feel like I with the line of uh, Jay just saying, uh, Hang, Hangman, you idiot, you can have Okada because you're not fucking getting this. Like, I, I love that, and personally, that sets up the different matches perfectly for me. I'd be perfectly happy to have uh, Rainmaker versus Bookshot Lariat. That sells the match enough. I don't need a title for that match. Yeah. Uh, whilst Jay White, uh, I don't know, does he face Adam Cole? I don't know. Because it, it could just set up a tag match, which is the other slight fear. Yeah. Is this, he could have both Lariat and guys against uh, the Bullet Club lads. Yeah, and then we have a question about that from Ricardo Andre, but I think we pretty much covered it. He was saying, Forbidden Door next, what match do you guys think we'll get for the IWGB World Heavyweight Championship with Hangman Cole promo and Jay's promo as well? I see at least three possible scenarios for that title, or maybe it won't be defended at all, and we'll get a tag match. So like, yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, we could get yeah Okada, Hangman versus Jay and Cole. I mean, they have been teasing this whole Bullet Club elite angle and Jay's been trying to make this ultimate version of the Bull Club and smooth thing over with the elite guys. So, yeah, you, you could get this um, Okada Hangman versus J. Cole, or they could do two singles. I would prefer them to do singles, but I understand going with a tag for political reasons. And um, I think part of the reason taking the belt off of Okada is I feel like if Okada was still the champion, you, you got to have to kind of main event the show with Okada. But obviously, that they want the interim AEW title to be the main event. So, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know what their plan is. Obviously, the audience wants dream singles matches, 
well, obviously, if they're thinking further than just this show, which is the other thing that uh, it's it's nice to think that this is just it's meant to be like a year, yearly event, so you don't blow your load. <laughs> you don't ha- you don't just go on like all the biggest matches you can think of right out the gate. Uh, obviously, what helps is there's so many great talents there that you could easily you can easily do Hangman versus Okada this year. Because next year, you can do Brian Danielson versus Okada or something like that. <laughs> like, there's so many dream matches you can do. You don't need to hold off on doing them because the depth that's there is incredible. Uh, there'll be such a rotation to do that I don't... And, and AWT to be kind of uh, rotating around so strongly that I don't feel like there'll ever be a need to hold off on a big match. Like, if you can do it, do it. There's, there's no need to hold off. <laughs> it's this right. awesome generation. Yeah, another thing um, I'm thinking now that the tag match might be more likely is the fact of like just wanting not to beat certain people. Like New oh, Japan yeah. with, Oka- with Okada just losing, New Japan probably doesn't want to pin Okada, and then with Hangman just losing the Punk, AEW probably doesn't want to pin Hangman. Uh, but if you put those guys on the same team, you could have them pin Adam Cole uh, since Jay White's the champion now. Like so, you could have Cole be the pin eater and have Hangman and Okada get a win and protect Jay White at the same time. And AEW are one of the companies that te- uh, treat tag matches with respect. Like this, uh, this isn't WWE where if it's not a built to massive Survivor Series thing, they don't always treat them with respect. They don't always treat them like they're a massive deal. Um, I mean, obviously now the tag belts have got a little bit more importance just because, I mean, there's F all else to do, I guess. <laughs> but there's the, uh, but yeah, really, with AEW treat their tag matches with respect. So it would get the time to evolve and become as in as in in the match itself. We've seen it before where they give the tag matches enough time to really play out and develop, and uh, kind of reach those uh, heights that they could reach if given enough time. Yeah, AEW will give them the time. Uh, next question here from Rambone Slam Pig. He says, "Was the 2019 or the 2022 Okada versus Jay White match better? I have mixed feelings. I was there in 2019, and that finish was legendary." But this 2022 match was very compelling from top to bottom. Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier that I really liked this match. And I was kind of surprised that it was able to kind of eclipse past performances just because of how much I enjoyed that uh, counter style towards the end of the matches. Uh, And I I do feel like the countering towards the end of this match, and it might be because what Jamie talked about earlier, the fact that we'd seen that sequence set up with the landslide tombstone and then Raymaker, the fact that they were able to use that in this match probably really helps elevate it. And uh, I don't know if I like the entire match more than their previous, but I feel like the ending sequence was one of their best. Yeah, I'm also torn on this because I was also there in Madison Square Garden in 2019 for the Jay Okada match. And that match was just an awesome match to watch live. And just remember like me and Rich hugging after Okada <laughs> beat Jay White. <laughs> just so happy that Okada was a champion again. It was a great matchup. Like there was some great near falls in that matchup. Uh but was yeah. It, was that the weekend where Rich was constantly playing the, the, the then new G O D thing, like over and over and over? Oh, I can't I don't think he was playing that. Oh, I don't I don't remember that. Um but yeah. I think James or somebody was like, for God's sake, Rich. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 2019 uh, New York Mania weekend was, uh, that was a fun weekend. Um, but yeah, that Madison Square Garden show also had it, its lows, but definitely had its highs, especially with that uh, main event. 
And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm conflicted because I, I really enjoyed this matchup as well. I feel like if we had fans that could cheer throughout the whole match, like this would definitely be up there with 2019 because the 2019 match, like the crowd was so behind Okada and really wanted to see Jay lose. There was such, so much heat in the in the building. Uh, but both of them, great matchups, though. Yeah, maybe the thing that will tip it in terms of rewatching is the fact that obviously MSG had incredible noise whilst this was teasing a clap crowd. Like a good clap crowd, but still a clap crowd. Yeah. Uh, Rambones also asks, he says, uh, Jay White's entering style and ability to play the role of a heel really seems to have grown and become more dynamic. Do you think his ability to work with a wide variety of challengers in his open challenge series on Strong has contributed to that, or is that just natural growth? It's something he's worked really hard at, and he can see the growth over his, I guess, entire run as a main as a main event attraction in New Japan. He's slowly gotten better at it over the course of time, and it, obviously, it doesn't hurt to uh, do a thing like an open challenge like that. But he he was he was already developing that way. I feel like I could say it didn't hurt. Yeah, I think it definitely you know helped him out having some different opponents with the open challenge and also working impact. But I mean, Jay was a student of the game, and I think he's always trying to evolve and uh, change some things up um, in the way he wrestles and his promos and stuff like that. So I think yeah, like you mentioned, the continue this evolution of him just continuing to get better and better, and you know he's uh, a great heel. His promos are great, and he's a, a great in ring worker and. I know a lot of people are not the biggest fans of Jay. They don't. They're not a big fans of a lot of the stalling or a lot of some of the times the cheating or Gato interference. But I mean, you compare his matchups to like an evil match, and it's like completely blows it out the water. Pretty much any heel that's kind of that cheating heel. I mean, I think Jay does a great job of mixing in the heel tactics, but also still having a great wrestling match. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with evil is when he does the heel tactics and he's they're they're really taking over the match. You just zone out. He just it loses you if it goes on too long. Also, Jay, if it the longer it goes on, like that's fine. It's fine. He's so entertaining whilst he's talking trash. Mm-hmm. He's getting better and better at that aspect. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this title reign. This feels like this is the time to really let him prove himself. Yeah. Uh, MJ does PR ask if Okada held the rel- the red belt, would he be the goat? He's the goat with or without the red belt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean obviously having a IWGP US title reign obviously would add to the accolades and would make him a Grand Slam champion. Um, but yeah, obviously with the record IWGP <laughs> title reign and the sold out houses and. Everything that the 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 history of great matches with Tanahashi and Omega and everybody else that he's faced, like he's built up quite a resume that I think even without if he never won the US title, he's still gonna go down as a goat. Yeah, he solidified that point. He's, he's solidified as a legend. Yeah. Really. He could stop take he could stop taking anything seriously today. Return full time to Balloon Okada, and just <laughs> <laughs> it would and people people would watch him hit people over the head with balloons, and you'd sit there going, "Ah, oh, he was the guy back in his day. <laughs> he was the guy." Uh, our good friend Rich Latta asks, "Why does New Japan and now AW think that belting belting up all the whites was necessary 
when coming to America? Is racism just hurting us in another way? LOL. <laughs> See, amazing pun, by the way, Rich. <laughs> Top notch stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I didn't realize it until it was pointed out on Twitter. I was like, oh, yeah, they made Jay White last time. <laughs> last time they did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a weird, it's like, oh, oh, I'm like, is this a coincidence that both times they were about to do a major American show? Both times? <laughs> like, really, Japan, we love Okada. You don't have to do this. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, and the funny thing, well, the first time, um, it was supposed to be Omega that was going into mm. Madison Square Garden. Bossley, he left until he dropped the belt with Tanahashi, and then Jay got it from Tanahashi. Um, so it seems like, yeah, New Japan thinks, all right, we're going to America. We have to put the belt on a, a top, you know, white foreigner. Like, the fans will not understand if we, you know, bring Okada as a champion. Just so it won't compute. <laughs> and it will just seem like, who is this Asian man? Boo. Boo. <laughs> oh. You watch WWE. Jai Lee comes out. They're like, from China. Boo. Foreigner. <laughs> right. Which clearly isn't the AEW fan base. Yeah. Also, the core AEW fan base watch New Japan. They were they came from New Japan and obviously as wrestling fans we want to see Okada. We want to see Tanahashi. We want to see, you know, Shingo and Naito and Goto. We want Ishii. We want to see all the top New Japan Japanese stars in big matchups. Uh we don't necessarily need all the the, the foreigners, the top uh guys, those top foreigners coming in with titles. Uh but it seems like that's the way, you know, obviously I think the only singles Japanese champion right now is Taiji Ishimori because we have uh, Carl Anderson's never champ, Will Ospreay's the U.S. champ, and now uh, Jay White is the heavyweight champ. So we ha- we have three white foreigners with uh, three of the top singles titles. Yeah, and uh, one thing, because uh, obviously I get critiques sometimes when I write about this stuff, <laughs> and uh, this uh, um, the thing oh about the foreign markets thing, and I, I sometimes have to point out I'm not from America. <laughs> like you're all foreign to me <laughs> like nothing turns me off more than watching Lacey Evans couldn't gimmick <laughs> I'm just like like I'm not American like this is, seems unbelievably cheesy to me like <laughs> to, to us no human should ever embody that amount of patriotism <laughs> like it's just, no just, no uh, yeah yeah, so for me, uh, my world is the foreigners are normally the champions. <laughs> Obviously, like, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't, I don't need somebody to do that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's a, I don't know if it's a mis a misreading. Like, it's like, no, it's not necessary. Like uh, with the well, with the video game thing where every single cover would be a bloke with gun over his shoulder doing gun things <laughs> just, every game was that because they thought that's what the market needed right and then somebody had the gall to they made a game with a woman jeremy with women <laughs> my god but a woman on the cover <laughs> just, and yeah they felt they felt fine but yeah if i'm right the two meter cover, cover was still gun over shoulder <laughs> but you know it was a woman step <laughs> baby steps <laughs> but yeah as in um I, I, I reckon uh, over time, maybe New Japan, because they, 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 in the plan, the plans have gone the right way. They would have already had their foot in the door for a long time. But because they've only dipped the toes, uh, they've not really had an opportunity to like, properly read the market. So with time, eventually they'll probably feel comfortable enough to give it a go. Just to, like, even like when I started writing about New Japan for wrestling headlines, I felt like it was a gamble. 
And then I started getting messages just saying, oh, thank you for writing about it and whatever. And it was like, oh, no, there's an audience for it. It's fine. Eventually, New Japan themselves will probably settle in like, oh, okay, they trust, that they actually like the Japanese wrestlers. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, also there's probably a, definitely a lot of politics and other scenarios in play when it came to making certain people as champion. I mean, with Jay White, I mentioned it last week, like he's been the main guy that's been all over Forbidden Door promotion. He's like one of the main guys that's in like the voiceover commercials for it. So I can see him winning champion made sense for him and put him in a big match on that show. And then also Okada is going to do G1, but he also has a baby on the way. Um, so he'll be probably taking a break at some point, probably after G1 when his wife gives birth. So maybe they need to get the belt off Okada anyway. And so that kind of worked out in that way too. So um, a lot, a lot of reasonings why like, they can potentially want to go with uh, Jay here. Yeah, and it's exciting as we we're saying with uh, the Forbidden Door Bayview itself. Suddenly, you've got about five different avenues you can go down. Right. Uh, Less Commission seven two five two says, "I looked back at the Jay White post match promo after he won the championship, and he was yelling for the fans to cheer. Do you guys believe he was out of character for a bit and expressed his full actual emotions?" Missing how fans would react to him and everyone else since the pandemic took that all away. I feel like it's one of those uh, that a lot of the best wrestling promos incorporate some form of real feeling. Uh, I mean, we saw it really recently with MJF, just incorporating some of, of that real life anger or whatever into your promo. And yeah, Jay obviously maybe he like this was meant to be like his huge moment in the building where he got the most respect he's probably experienced with them given that huge applause as he then goes off to go on excursion like him to then return to that same building and win the title but they can't cheer uh and that must hurt a bit just a little bit inside given Mm -hmm. like what they do for a job to not be even able to generate any form of like cheer for him Uh, so he can incorporate that into the promo so I'd say that's reality seeping in a little bit, but also entirely within character. Right. Like, obviously, 100%. Yeah, as a heel, he's trying to get the fans to, to break the rules and go them into breaking, you know, the, against what the building says, you know, don't know, you know, cheering. And so as a heel, like, he's going mm. the fans on, he's trying to get them to clap and cheer, but obviously those like a crowd, they really wanted to, to cheer. And so <laughs> they did. <laughs> well, plus like during the match, he was pinning, pinning the atmosphere all on Okada as in, this is your fault, this is what you said, that like, you're champion, and listen, silence. Yeah. Screaming <laughs> silence in his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that as like a, a villainous reading, as that he's blaming the guy who's champion as the reason why this is a quiet crowd. Obviously, completely oblivious to outside of this universe facts. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I like it as a villain thing. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, last commission also asks: Is the last time the IWGP Championship was changed after the G1 was in 2014, when Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated AJ Styles at King of Pro Wrestling? With the year Jay White had in the U.S. and now capturing the top title once again against the company's top guy in Okada, do you guys think that New Japan would have Jay White carry the belt strongly to the main event of next year's Wrestle Kingdom? Or will they push the momentum backwards and possibly have him lose it after the G1? I think Jay White can similarly have that 2017-2018 Okada run with the belt if they have full trust in him. And most importantly, with how he can make Bull Club feel special once again. 
oh, there's, there's so many different avenues you can take here. Because, uh, I mean, that's the year I started watching. Because I started watching with the 2014 G1. So AJ Styles was already champion. Obviously, I looked into it and found out, oh, they won at least first day. Jesus Christ, they're right behind him. <laughs> but they uh, they did all that. And then I think I didn't know the schedule. So I when I found out when one of their shows was, turns out AJ Styles had already lost the title. Because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> like, when, when, you're, when, you're new Japan, when you're new to New Japan and you haven't got somebody guiding you, it's quite difficult <laughs> to... Uh, yeah, keep it with it. I mean, especially back then. Actually, it's a lot easier now because at least now, you know, you got things in English. You got commentators in English beforehand. Right. It was all on you. <laughs> like you have to do everything. The commentators aren't going to remind you of stuff. I mean, they are, but they're not going to do it in English. <laughs> so you don't know they're doing it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the I I I really like the AJ Styles route because of course you get the showcase throughout the G1. You get him doing those big shows. You get him through Forbidden Doors champion as well. And then you can fix it onto somebody. Of course, if it, even if it is dependent on a card and the child, then if things look fine, you can maybe give it him back for Wrestle Kingdom. Or you don't have to do that at all. But it's the fact that there is precedent for it. You can go both routes. Like Kenny Omega was another one. One at Dominion went all the way to Wrestle Kingdom and would have held it into uh, the uh, Madison Square Garden if things had been slightly different. So you could do the run you wanted to do with uh, Kenny Omega all those years ago, but now you can finally do it with Jay White. The stable itself is in a much better place than it's been for a long time. I feel like this is the time to do it. And also you can use this opportunity to maybe split off the House of Torture. <laughs> right. Well, it seems like they're kind of already split. They didn't come out at the end on Taku. They didn't come out at the end here with the rest of the Bull Club. So, uh, yeah, definitely seems like the split with those guys are coming in. Yeah, I, mean, I think you definitely could do a long reign with Jay. I think another thing that we got to think about with him being champion is he's been gone from Japan for the last, what, year and a half um, due to the whole like, quarantine restrictions and all that stuff. Um, so he's been missing from Japan. He's obviously one of your top guys out of that dojo system. Um, and somebody you want to push very strongly. And it's a guy that, I mean, he's a guy I'm sure that AEW or WWE would want to have. And so if I'm New Japan, I'm going to do what it takes to keep a guy like Jay White um, happy and keep him on the roster. And so I think potentially maybe giving him the title had something to do with that and kind of positioning him to be like, hey, we still see you as one of our top guys. We want you here for the long run. And so maybe that will, you know, help Jay White resign whenever his contract is up to stay with New Japan um, and I think going into the Dome as champion could work. I think it, obviously, I think he would have to face a top domestic guy. Um, and with Okada not as champion in a G1, I think that always increases Okada's chances of winning a G1. Um, I know he did win it last year, so it'll be interesting to see if he could go back-to-back or we're going to get some other top um, domestic guy going after Jay. Uh, but I, I could definitely see him going in the Dome. The champ, yeah. I, 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 the more that I think about it, I think the more I've convinced myself that if you put together AJ's run and Kenny Omega's run and you put them together into one longer idea, then he can do, yeah, then that's what this vein could easily be. Just that the guy comes has that, has that sudden snap victory and then suddenly he's just the champion for the summer, but then you've got the Kenny Omega plan where. The, the entire point was to eventually give him it and then to give him that massive long run to take them into America. You can do both ideas in one. And I feel like JY is the guy to run with that. Yeah. 
Next question here from Ornery Camera 1275 says, Hello from Northam, West Aust- Western Australia. What was your most enjoyable moment of the pay review? I would say for me, the exchange <laughs> with Ace Austin and Naito, with Naito trying to work out the magic stick, Osprey versus Naito, I enjoyed. Main event was amazing. So, what was your uh, most enjoyable <laughs> moment? <laughs> A man after my own tastes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the exact moment I pulled out <laughs> earlier. Uh, I mean that I I I thought that all the way up until Jay's promo at the end. Uh, just I felt like there were so many layers of that promo that I was I was suckered right in. Uh, for me, probably the thing I'll remember the most. Actually, yeah, to be fair, the three things I remember the most. Two of them are Jay White's promos, and the other one is Naito playing with that stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, like I thought that Jay Okada was the best match, but. Osprey and Sonata was my favorite match, um, so I think that was the most enjoyable for me because like this went out there with that kind of quick pace and Osprey was doing a lot of cool stuff and he won and so uh, I think that was probably my most enjoyable. But yeah, Naito and <laughs> Ace Austin was uh, pretty funny as well. Uh, so also coming out of this show, we um, got a few challenges. So Zack Saber Jr. backstage, he laid out the challenge to the American Dragon. Brian Danielson for Forbidden Door to see who is the best technical wrestler in the world. And obviously, if you look at the Wrestling Observer year-end awards, uh, Brian Danielson won that award several years in a row and was eventually named the Brian Danielson Technical Award. But then Zack Sabre Jr. has been winning that the last several years. And then Brian, Brian got it back this past year. So these guys have been neck and neck fighting over the years to see who the best technical wrestler is and so i think this would be a, a perfect matchup for forbidden door 100 percent, yeah it's uh it's the the, the technical match again the thing that aw does really well is finding a way to have loads of different kinds of matches and this can be your technical wonder mm-hmm. just uh have them go full technical style the aw crowd will appreciate it and it's it'll shake up the kind of different kinds of matches that you got on the card yeah and uh, Mazda already asked us, with the Forbidden Door open, who would you like to see in NJPW from AEW? And are there potential feuds you would like to see happen? Yes. So first off, Toro Yano versus Danhausen. <laughs> <laughs> Yano Hausen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but also uh, Dragon versus Dragon. Shingo versus Danhausen. Mm, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great um, guys in AEW. Uh, also, yeah, I'd love to see Pac. I think he'd be um, great, whether you want to use him as a junior or a heavyweight. Um, I'll see, like, the Lucha Bros, but also with the political issues with AAA and CMLL, we probably won't see that anytime soon, but those guys would be great. Uh, Malachi Black, I think, would be a lot of fun um, in New Japan. And we've already kind of seen House yes. of Black spill over to New Japan Strong, with Brody King and Buddy Matthews uh, making appearances there, so I think Malachi Black would be cool. Um, do I want to do? Do I want to see Malachi Black versus someone like Will Ospreay or Okada, or do I want to see him face Tai Chi in just kicking? Oh yeah, <laughs> you, yes. you have to do Malachi Black and Tai Chi. Is having them do do the the kicking match where they kick each other for like twelve <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but also, like in my head, the one that I really wanted to see and I was kind of sad. I was like, oh yeah, I might not see it. Is Ray Phoenix versus Will Ospreay? 
It's like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> just that's some uh, bitch that's a pro wrestling right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I really want to see Hiromu versus Darby. Yes, those guys just kill mm. each other. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's the reckless guy from AW to face the reckless hero. Of course, it's Darby. Yes, it's 100%. Yes. Or, or you could do Darby versus Doki because Doki is just as reckless, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the reaction, and that'd be worth it purely for the reaction from the American fans. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what? Like, really? Like, this guy? Like, who's this Doki guy? Oh, he just jumped off the top of the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of great guys from AEW that could come over to New Japan and mix some things up in all the divisions. Yeah, lo- loads of really exciting possibilities, uh, and not forgetting the guys that scream AEW, but aren't they? Yeah, like there's yeah, so many possibilities. Yeah, and uh, speaking about Forbidden Door, uh, New Japan did reveal details regarding their qualifying matches for the AEW All All Atlantic title four-way that's going to be happening at Forbidden Door. So, obviously, on the AEW side, they've been doing a tournament. We had um, Pac defeat Buddy Matthews last week to qualify in the, the four-way. This Wednesday, it's Ethan Page versus Miro. At some point, it's going to be uh, Pentagon versus Malachi Black. And then we had the, the New Japan um, bracket here. So, the company announced the plans for that. Um, so, there's going to be two qualifying matches that are going to happen on June 20th's New Japan Road Card in Cork and Hall. Those matches will be Tomohiro Ishii taking on Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Tomioka Hanma facing off against the Wild Rhino Clark Connors. And the winners of those two qualifying matches will then face off on the following night at Cork and Hall. And the winner will then qualify for the four-way at Forbidden Door. I feel like it, it's it's uh, almost solidified that it's going to be Ishii, specifically because of the caliber of the other people in the match. As in, if it's Pac, Miro, Malachi Black, then I feel like oh, it's, it's got to be an established guy. They're not going to put uh, Clark Connors in there. What do you mean? But... You, you don't think Homomania is going to run wild? <laughs> I would love that, but <laughs> you it's been think... so many years <laughs> since he was at that po- at that peak. <laughs> Come on, start. Kokeshi makes everybody happy. I was, I was, I was the biggest fan of the Kokeshi. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the fact that uh, I think my favorite spot of it all would be he gets so hyped that he would then climb to the top rope, and then and he would never hit it. <laughs> it was just the best, the best thing. You get all the crowd all hyped into it, and they would slowly fall, and then of course. His opponent would just move out the way, and he's like, "Oh no, it's the ultimate fail!" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, then they just hit his fit, the finish shot, which meant that when he did hit it, the crowd went absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's just like I remember, like at one of the Wrestle Kingdoms, he was just in a nothing tag match, and the he was so over, like Honma Mania, because I think that happened around the time that Daniel Bryan was running Riot, yeah. and he was somewhat compared to like as the guy that the crowd were going crazy for, but. There were no plans to ever push him <laughs> or anything. Like, yeah. He was so over. <laughs> but I uh, also very clearly yeah, looking at these matches, this is probably going to be Tomohiro Ishii, yeah, getting the win mm-hmm. and going to that uh, four-way matchup. So that'll be cool to see Ishii mixing it up with uh, Pack, and I'm going to guess Miro is probably going to win, and then uh, mm-hmm. Malachi Black is also going to win due to the political issues with AAA and CMLL and Pentagon not being allowed to wrestle on the Forbidden Door card. 
And we had a question here from Viking Pain. He says, am I the only one who thinks the AEW All-Atlantic Championship is a dumb name, especially since they have representation from Australia and Japan, places nowhere near the Atlantic? Yes. <laughs> <That's what I said>. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the All-Atlantic, and half the country's All-Atlantic. <laughs> it's like, bang on. <laughs> the, the, name may, it, the name is just the name of the thing. It has holds absolutely no bearing to what it means, <laughs> like at all. Yeah, I was pretty down on the announcement of this title last week. Um, I was hoping it was going to be the, the trios titles. Oh yeah, because we keep hearing rumors about that, and AEW has been built on trios. I thought it would make more sense to kind of unveil this AEW trios titles, but I know they are waiting for Kenny to get healed so you can have Kenny and the Bucks in the tournament. Uh, but yeah, I, personally, I don't really think AEW needs another singles title right now. Mm. So you, you have the world title, you have uh, the TNT title. Um, I just didn't think we needed this, an All-Atlantic or whatever, another title right now. And like Especially with the name tool, like, I th- just call it the international title. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't want a name like Intercontinental. They were just something that's almost similar to that, but not really. Yeah. And, Chris, and they've gone very far into not really. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make any sense. Chris Charlton did try to explain it on commentary. <laughs> he was just like, well, it's all, all one ocean. Like, they all connect. <laughs> they, all connect <laughs> like, to, on, they all connect to the Atlantic. I'm having none of that, Chris. <laughs> none of it. Yeah, but I do hope they do something different with it like i'm hoping that they kind of do it kind of like stardom does the swa title where whoever's a champion is the challenger can't be from the same country oh yeah i'll be up for that yeah so for example if ishii wins and becomes the all-in champion a japanese guy can't challenge it has to be somebody from another country so i think that'd be a cool way to make it different and make it stand out from the other titles but i mean I guess we can't complain too much. We're getting some great matches so far in this mm-hmm. tournament. Also, the AW has a ton of great international talent. Um, so we're, we're probably going to get some great matches. Great title matches will be another great addition to pay-per-view. So I guess we can't complain too much, but I still want my trios titles. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a shame that they are planning to just wait for Kenny to get healed so they can properly run with that, where I feel like ah, there's enough depth anyway that you could kind of run into it but i feel like they want to give it as much momentum as they can and the the young and kenny are like the trio to at least run to the kind of finals of that tournament with as well uh yeah we it's perfect <laughs> it's so insane <laughs> that it's not there then we i feel like the thing that really adds to it is we got the title that's not a title with the owen hart cup where you got two people walking around with belts that Odd titles, <laughs> just and they've just been introduced, and people are just wrapping their heads around the fact of. Also, he's, he's got the title over his shoulder, but he's not going to defend it. It's more of a I won this tournament this year, therefore I get a title that's not a title. <laughs> it's it's a title that's not a championship. It is an actual belt, <laughs> right? It's a trophy, it, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a trophy, um, and uh, just introducing that, they then add the All Atlantic Championships, like another singles thing where i've also got to wrap my head around what this is as well and you, uh, you also yeah. have the ring of honor titles floating around the mm. obviously joe's the um tv champ wheeler utah is a pure champ jonathan gresham that's a world champ those belts have been seen on dynamite rampage and battle the belts being defended and big angles happening for those as well so you just have so many titles mm. 
um, running around AEW right now. And I'm sh- also that will be cleared up once ROH is able to start its thing, whatever that's going to be. Those titles pr- will probably mainly be there. Um, and then also with the interim title, that will be cleared up once Punk is he- healthy. So I do think it will it will seem less once all the other random belts are have been pushed aside. But it does seem like a lot right now. With the ROH belts, the interim belt, the Owen Hart belt, like there's just so many title belts on that TV mm. right now. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a short period of time as well where we've had so such an influx of new stuff constantly. Where immediate, that immediate thought was just, we don't need another one right now. Uh, but maybe it doesn't seem as bad if we haven't had the interim TNT, the interim AEW uh, as well. Like maybe it feels a bit more natural. Yeah, and plus to just the, the state of like the TNT title, like there's been some kind of questionable booking there, and the belts been flip flopping. So like it seems like that title's kind of unstable right now. Now another title's coming in. It's like is that one going to be stable? And so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But um, obviously Tony Khan is a, a great booker, and I'm sure he'll he'll figure it all out. Oh, got to keep the checks coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we do have some uh, New Japan stuff combining on AEW this coming up week. So uh, this Wednesday on Dynamite, John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi, they will go face-to-face. Also, that's the big main event, so we'll get a little segment there with those guys. And then Will Ospreay will be taking on Dax Hardwood of FTR one-on-one. So I'm sure we'll see some... Continuation of the United Empire view that's been happening with FTR, and then we'll probably get a better idea of what Osprey's matchup will be at Forbidden Door. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Is it uh, it sets things up because that was my main critique in my uh, column this past weekend, which is that in terms of Forbidden Door, I'm excited about the concept, but the actual card itself, there isn't really anything there to actually get me invested properly yet i don't i don't know what i'm allowed to get excited about really right because i don't know what's on the card it's just like oh the concept of the idea uh yeah it's not it's not the same as knowing exactly what's going to be happening and that getting you excited yeah, some of that's not their fault obviously because the mm-hmm. CM Punk injury but the fact that yeah we don't know anything else either it's like uh and like i, I want something to get excited for and hopefully this this rampage sorry this uh, dynamite rampage hopefully they actually set start setting this up and then next week is more of a kind of follow through with that rather than more dumping loads on us <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> like don't 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 leave it till next week like properly yeah give us some direction this week yeah it's hard too because they also also new japan had dominion aw had all out so you kind of had to wait for both of those events to be over to start building stuff and then also New Japan has the the New Japan Tour Road that is uh, tour that's running uh, next week, and also you need some guys from some that to be on those tours as well. And so there's only so many guys you can send to America in between all that. So it's a lot of just different circumstances that have prevented a bigger, uh, better build. But also we're getting Tanahashi, we're getting Osprey on the sh- on the show this week, so that'll be great. I'm sure uh, Jay White will probably make an appearance to set up what he's doing. Um, so I think we'll definitely get more clarity on what's going to happen. Also, we had the, the Saber Danielson challenge, which seems like that's probably going to be pretty likely. So, I mean, between Moxley Tanahashi and Saber Danielson, like that—that that has me pretty psyched <laughs> just with those two yeah. alone. <laughs> uh, and I, I can be d- triply excited because I was struggling to think what to actually act, get people for my birthday 
And then I suddenly thought, well, there's this show next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not as big of a deal over here because uh, and obviously in America, it's what, $50 yeah. or something? Yeah. For me, it's £15, which I think is the equivalent of like $19. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, like when I was like, oh, there's this show we could come in. I was like, is, is that it? Is that all you want? It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like we can get you more. It's only fifteen pounds. <laughs> oh man, I can't. Uh, but uh, speaking of the New Japan Road Tour, we do have some shows coming up on that tour uh, next week with title implications and uh, Forbidden Door implications. Uh, so on the first show on June eighteenth, we'll have Kosei Vegeta versus Takamichi Noku. Tiger Mask and Hanma versus Clark Connors and Yuta Nakashima. Rihoi Oiwa and Tomohiro Ishii versus Suzuki and Kanamaru. Goto, Yano, Yo, and Yoshihashi versus Dick Togo, Evo, Gato, and Yujiro. Wato and Taguchi and Jado against United Empires, Aaron Hanare, Francisco Okera, and TJP. Tenzan, Okada, and Togi Makabe against the LIJ team of Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. And then the main event will be Show and Taiji Ishimori taking on the LJ team of Bushi and Hiromu. Then the following night on the 19th, we'll have Clark Connors versus Rie Oiwa, Tomika Hanma versus Yuto Nakashima, Fujita and Ishii versus Suzuki and Kanamaru, Goto, Yano, Yo, and Yoshihashi versus Dick Togo, Evil, Show, and Yujiro, Wato and Naguchi and Jado versus Eren Hanare, Francisco Akira, and TJP. Gato and Taiji versus uh, Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi. And the main event will be Tenzan, Okada, and Togi Makabe versus Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. Then on June 20th, we'll have Aaron Hanare versus Kosei Vegeta. Goto, Yano, Yo, and Yoshihashi versus Dick Togo, Evil, Show, and Yujiro. Okada, Oiwa, Nakashima will take on the LIJ team of Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. Gato and Taiji Ishimori will take on Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi. Then we'll have the uh, AEW All-Atlantic title first-round qualifying matchups with Tomioka Hanma versus Clark Connors and Yoshinobu Kanamaru versus Tomohiro Ishii. And the main event will be the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles with 6 or 9 Watson Taguchi defending against the United Empire team of Francisco Akira and TJP. And do you think we will see new tag champs or will uh, six or nine retain? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm going to say they continue to give gold to United Empire. Give them, they're going to give them everything. That's my wild prediction. Yeah, I, de- I, I want um, United Empire to win here. My only fear is that they've really been building up that team so strong. They won the, non- the non-title match at the Super Junior Finals, and then they won the uh, six-man match on Dominion. So... United Empire is coming in with a lot of steam, a lot of momentum, and they could be to build them up just so that six or nine can knock them down. But oh, yeah, and it's a vote two show. Like it's it's not the key <laughs> place to do a big title change, right? But it is a Corkin show, so I am hoping um, it should be a decent crowd. And but I'm hoping that it's opposite, and that they've been building up the United Empire just so they can steamroll uh, Wato and Gucci. And if you have the champions retain then that kind of adds a little bit to the match, the main event on the next night, where you're trying to convince the people that, oh, Hiromu might not win. Oh, add a bit of tension. <laughs> yeah. And then for the All-Atlantic matchups, are you thinking it's going to be Connors and Ishii moving on? I'm thinking it's going to be Connors and Ishii. Uh, you're, unless 
unless Hanma runs wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, run, dude, Ishii and Hanma always have great matches, so you, you could run, do. run that <laughs> back. Yeah. Uh, it depends. I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yes. Uh, I feel like Hanma's at that point now where he's not really winning matches. Uh, but but I, I don't know how seriously they're taking the All-Atlantic thing. I think that's kind of where I'm at. Because I look at the matches they've put here, and I'm like, this seems random. <laughs> like <I've> got... <laughs> well, the problem but, is, yeah. like, heavyweights are needed in other places and you have some people coming mm. to America. It's like, all right, well, who's left over? Like, <laughs> what can we do? I mean, they could have put Suzuki in here. He's in multi an undercard multi-man, so they could have done, like, Suzuki, Ishii. That's, like, the qualifying <laughs> match, but... Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, at first I was like, at least try and play into the All-Atlantic thing. <laughs> like, this is perfect for Chima. <laughs> Something if he's available. Yeah. He can add uh, Doki, because uh, he's just from multiple places. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it'd be pretty uh, sad if Clark did lose to uh, Hanma. I think he really needs a, <laughs> a big win, beat Hanma. <laughs> and I think Clark Connors having a, a great match with Ishii would definitely help elevate his stock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Honma versus Ishii doesn't help ele- elevate anybody. <laughs> but we never can have bangers. But yeah, yeah, I feel like it's it'd be a nice opportunity just to let Clark Connors uh, get the shit beaten out of him against Ishii, but uh, help it, uh, elevate him a bit, give him some stock. Yeah. And then on the uh, final show of this New Japan Road Tour on June 21st, we'll have Doki versus Yuto Nakashima, Taichi versus Ryoi Oiwa. Goto, Yano, Yo, and Yoshihashi versus Dick Togo, Evil, Show and Yujiro. Wato and Taguchi and Jado versus Aaron Hanare, Francisco Akira, and TJP. Tenzan, Okada, Fujita, and Togi Makabe versus the LJ team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. Then in the semi-main event, we will have the uh, finals of the AW All-Atlantic title qualifying match, so which we're Guessing it's going to be Ishii and Clark Connors. And then the main event will be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title as the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori defends against the Ticking Time Bomb, the winner of Best Super Junior, Hiromu Takahashi. That should be an absolute banger. And it's in Koakun as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. They, they, they always have really, really solid matches. Yeah, especially you think back to the 2018 Super Junior Finals that was in Corkin. That was a kind of a, a legendary match that year and how they were brawling up into, down the stands and just how, what a great match that was. <laughs> and so hopefully they can recapture some of that energy. But do you think Ishimura is retaining or are we going to get Hiromu as the champ once again? I don't think I have ever been able to, to predict this pairing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like it never goes away. I think <laughs> like whenever I think the momentum's with Hiromu, they give the title to Ishimori. <laughs> it's just like yeah. So that means if I if I apply that logic, that means that Ishimori's retaining. That, that's what I'm going with. Because because my belief is that it's a, it's a decent time to give Hiromu the belt again, which means that New Japan will go the complete opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> I never get this right. Yeah. Also, too, I think. I'm wondering if either of these guys are going to be on Forbidden Door. Or do they want to do a junior title match at Forbidden Door? Like, who would make the most sense and all that stuff? Um, so on that sense, if we're thinking about Forbidden Door, I would say it would probably make more sense for Hiromi to win. He has a great uh, fan base here in America, and you could do him against some flippy do junior in AEW and have a, a great matchup there. Or if they're not, if neither of those guys are coming, I could see them 
keeping it on Ishimori. Uh, Hiromu did beat him in Super Juniors already. Um, they're in the same block, so Ishimori could just get the win back and be the dominant champ, and Hiromu has to keep chasing. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they might be on the verge of giving some stock to Bullet Club as well. That's so I don't know if him, yeah, him retaining that might just help keep that momentum a bit. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to say Ishimori retains. Um, I don't know. I have a, a weird feeling about it, especially since Hiromu had already beat him in the tournament earlier. Uh, so, yeah, Hiromu, yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, Bull Club. Right now they have a lot of belts right now. Jay's the world champ. Carl Anderson's never. Ishimori's junior champ. So you just kind of keep building up that uh, Bullet Club momentum. You gotta, you gotta get that heat. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the heat, brother. <laughs> well, that wraps up all the stuff for uh, New Japan proper. Run through uh, this New Japan strong stuff real quick. So, the uh, Collision Tour uh, kicked off this past weekend in Philadelphia. Showing up, you had Killer Cross uh, defeating Yuya Mora by ref decision. Carl Fredericks defeating QT Marshall from AEW. Ten minutes at twenty-one seconds. Then a big uh, 10-man main event here. The Bullet Club team of Doc Gallows, Hikaleo, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Carl Anderson defeating uh, Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, Tomori Ishii, Mascara Dorada, and Renarita at 12 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, so it's just kind of a fun episode to uh, kind of kick off the Collision Tour. And then this coming up Saturday, we'll have uh, the next night of the tour with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Facing Chris Dickinson in the main event, Brody King will be taking on Jake Something, Delirious taking on Arya Davari, and then Team Filthies, J.R. Kratos, Royce Isaac, and Jarrell Nelson will take on Alex Coughlin, Kevin Knight, and the DKC of the LA Dojo. And the uh, strong tag team title tournament is coming up, and we have the first team announced. The Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and the Alpha Wolf, Carl Fredericks, will be teaming up for that uh, strong tag team title tournament. Have you been able to check out Strong at all? Nope. Not a, <laughs> <laughs> not a single minute. <laughs> it's just that. And uh, the, the readers of Wrestling Headlines should be thankful that they're getting me actually writing about the wrestling shows that are on telly as they are. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's, <laughs> Yeah, so much wrestling, which is great. It's great as the mm-hmm. consumer. Obviously, we've got so many options. But yeah, no, no, no time in the schedule for Strong. Yeah, I wish Strong was on a bigger platform or just mm. elevated more. Because honestly, I think it's one of the best like bell to bell wrestling shows every week. It's an hour, three mat, three to four matchups, and they're usually all good to great. And they have a, a great roster there on Strong. So. um yeah, I mean, for people who do have time, I definitely recommend uh, watching Strong. It's definitely a great entering product. Uh, so some quick news items here. I mean, we talked about a lot of the bigger stuff, but one, some two things we got to touch real quick. So the Super Junior Finals that happened with Hiromu and Desperado, that will be airing this week on Access TV after Impact. So if you don't have New Japan World and you have Access TV, you can watch that matchup this Thursday after Impact. Um, and then, my man, Satoshi Kojima, <laughs> is the new GHC champion. Kojima, this Sunday at the Cyber Fight Festival, he defeated Go Shiozaki to become the GHC champion. 
getting the big uh, cover of a Weekly Pro. You know, they had Jay White down the bottom of the little corner. Big full cover <laughs> from my man, the leader of the Bread Club, Satoshi Kojima. And we had a question here from Reddit user underscore stress underscore. How hard did Jeremy pop for Kojima winning the GHC championships? Hashtags Oils on top. Hashtag then now forever. I was very happy to uh, see Kojima retain the title. Actually, I haven't seen the matchup yet, but I just saw the, the result pop up on Sunday. I'll have to, again, so much wrestling to watch. <laughs> uh, but I, I did hear Cyber Fight Festival was an interesting show. But, yeah, very happy that my man Kojima is, is a world champion once again. Make yourself a championship sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So we have a few questions here, and then we'll uh, wrap the show up here. Uh, so I know Hawaiian Punch BV, he had some fight questions here. Going to punt those next week because I didn't see either of those fights that he's talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you didn't see those, either of them either, did you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to uh, Viking Paint here. He says, have you guys heard that Noah is offering $300,000 to foreigners that can help bring in an international audience? So if that said when is Young Boy gonna drop the big leg on Jeremy and go full Hollywood on us and join pro wrestling Noah? <laughs> <laughs> is anybody who knows how to bring fans? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we can bring that. I uh, know our, our huge keeping it strong style uh, following <laughs> to Noah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize they were doing that. But I guess that kind of makes sense with you know Rob Van Dam <laughs> coming in. <laughs> he was on the Cyber Fight Festival uh, this past weekend. We've seen. Uh, Timothy Thatcher being brought in and um, Ninja Mac. They brought in a couple interesting uh, foreign talents over to Pro Wrestling Noah. I was like, they were on the verge of winning me over because uh, obviously they had some attention after the New Japan Noah show. And then they put on a really good event themselves. And even I checked it out and they, they put on a really strong event. And then I was like, oh, I mean, I could see what happens next. So, yeah, they did, did uh, yeah, got some attention. They put on a solid show. Then they gave the title to F- Fish Eater. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And it's just been weird ever since. <laughs> and uh, as much as I love Kojima, I'm like, but why, though? <laughs> so I, uh, I, they, they nearly did it. They nearly won me over. They, again, it was a really solid show. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, solid show. And then just, uh, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I feel about Perez and Noah. They nearly won me over. They they could have saved $300,000 if they just kept the title on Nakajima. <laughs> like they didn't leave <laughs> Yeah, I'll, yeah, I think a lot a lot of people were getting won over by Noah um, towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year. But yeah, mm-hmm. just questionable booking decisions and the politics that happened there and them wanting to go with the, the older guys instead of the, the younger talent that they have there, guys like uh, Nakajima. Um, it's really been killing off any interest that I think people had in Noah. Yeah, which is a shame, but if they want to just throw $300,000 me dues, <laughs> like, <laughs> as in, that's literally my idea. <laughs> just, just put the belt stop this just do what you were doing <laughs> you were fine <laughs> it's it, that's how uh, it basically just playing the role of how advisors work in real life of i'm not telling you anything new 
uh, I'm just kind of vapping it in fancy bullshit, <laughs> making it sound like this amazing new way to lead your business forward. Where, uh, yeah, yeah, advisors are almost useless. <laughs> uh, next question here from MJS PR. He says, "Remember factions? Feels like Bull Club and United Empire are the only groups with coherent org structures." When was the last time we had a post-match LIJ roll call or a Suzuki Gun Ichiban? We've got way too many people floating aimlessly. Enough is enough, and it is time for a change. I don't know if but that's part of um, the feeling they're trying to generate with Naito, as he almost purposely just kind of floats down a bit mm-hmm. uh, in elevating the other ones, which then just leads to the fact that as those other ones get elevated, like Shingo, like Sonada, they're having singles matches, so you just don't get that kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh none of them are closing out shows they're not getting that vol call either which became kind of like so iconic during naito's like vice the top and an eventual vein as well yeah it just it feels weird but also we are at least getting those from other stables at least yeah it's not completely died out yeah i think um i don't know i just think that it kind of goes in waves on some of the, the factions mm-hmm. they they focus on, and it just comes with pushes. You know, you, can, you can't push every faction um, at <laughs> once, and so obviously there's a big push on, you know, fueling up Bullet Club. I know Bullet Club's been around for nine years. I know a lot of people are, might be tired of Bullet Club, but they still sell a ton of merch. Um, fans in Japan still love Bullet Club, um, so that they're kind of reigniting that, and then United Empire is the newest faction, so you definitely need to get that over and uh, build that up. Um, oh, just got some uh, breaking news here. So uh, Eddie Kingston is coming back to strong for the high alert tour on uh, July 24th. And Hiromu Takahashi will be coming to America for new Japan strong for the high alert tour, July 24th. Oh, Oh, <laughs> well, that's that's certainly an interesting addition. I mean, Eddie's becoming always a, a staple of these uh, big tour shows. Here we move. That's a, that's a nice one. Yeah, which makes me think. You know, is Hiromu coming to Forbidden Door and is going to stay in America for the whole summer while G One's going on? I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world. Uh, it's yeah, a top talent like him, and you can keep him getting those reps in a awesome environment as well. Yeah. Oh, I could have said strong environment. The pun was right there. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's 20 past three in the morning. <laughs> I'm allowed to miss things. Uh, and the last question here, less commission seven, two, five, two. How long do you guys think new Japan will bring back the IWGP intercontinental championship? Guys like Zack Sabre jr. Sonata and Shingo Takagi and Tomohiro Ishii could have elevated the belt. If it wasn't currently retired. I kind of feel like the United States Championship has almost just taken that role now. I've just like that second tier title where it's uh, you're on the verge of main event, or at times you are main event lads, uh, as proven with the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, the US title, through no fault of what they were trying to do with it, has just kind of fallen into that space. And as long as it's there. There isn't really a need for the Intercontinental Championship. It's just a different coloured belt doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, both belts, absolutely lovely. <laughs> They're amazing, both of them. They look fantastic. I also miss the Intercontinental Championship. 
especially as like when I first started watching, that was at the height of it with yeah. um, in the Nakamura and Tanahashi main eventing uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So I've got a lot of kind of respect for it. Uh, but yeah, the US title is currently just serving the same purpose. So I don't really see much of a need to bring it back. Yeah, the IC title, obviously, through a lot of the work of guys like Shinsuke Nakamura, really got built up to, you know, main event level and a top title to have. And that title did help elevate a lot of guys. He looked at, like, Kenny Omega. He had the IC run, and then he was ready to move on to the IWGP run. Um, so, obviously, it, it did serve a great purpose, but I don't think they'll ever bring it back because it's merged into the IWGP, which makes the World Heavyweight title. So you would have to, like unmerge it and like it would just the lineage is already messed up it would be even more messed up to try and unmerge it and try and make it work i think they just need to focus on elevating the u.s title um and they, they have the guys to do it uh, i think osprey's a great guy like i said it just needs stability give us let him run the rest of the year let him go into the dome let him you know have great matchups against top guys with the u.s title and, you know, with Osprey being Osprey, you have him claim that the U.S. title is the real, you know, top title in New Japan. And you could have him, you know, main eventing shows with that title. You can really build that U.S. title up around Osprey. Yeah. And, like, for me personally, he's the kind of perfect guy to just have him hold that title for ages and then let them do Osprey versus Shingo at a Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> it's just, oh, just, yes. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah, just run that. Just run that. And, uh, yeah, you, you'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm with, yeah, 100% with you. Nice. Well, we're going to uh, skip recommended match of the week uh, for this week for this segment. So uh, we'll pick it back up next week since, you know, Josh and I, we've, we've complicated things with throwing in an excursion match of the week. And it, we don't want to, like, throw things off. So uh, we'll take a break from recommended match of the week this week. We'll pick it back up next week. And uh, we'll talk about our picks that we made last week. And we'll uh, pick new matches from there. Uh, Amp, I want to thank you so much for uh, filling in for the young boy this week. Go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you online and any uh, projects you have, you're working on. Uh, you can find me uh, writing over at wrestlingheadlines.net. I'm uh, trying to get a column posted every single week covering the week in wrestling. So I'll have a segment on Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, and on Rampage because screw NXT 2.0. I'm not watching that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so. So I, uh, yeah, I try to get that out on a Sunday. I put loads of effort into like getting a lovely thumb, uh, Photoshop's thumbnail, get that up there as well, and uh, go through like a, a topic from each show so that I don't have to actually pay full attention to all of Monday Night Raw because that's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'll pick a topic. I gotta go into detail from each show. Uh, so yeah, so I've been trying to get that up every Sunday. So the most recent one is up from this past week so, but obviously because it's a wrestling world it's immediately out of date <laughs> but yeah on Sunday it was in date so I mean <laughs> only just I was having to watch Dominion <laughs> and like editing my column as it was airing was like, oh cool Osprey's champion now <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like as it's airing I have to edit the column <laughs> but yeah, still a uh, yes if you want to go check that out you can uh, follow me on Twitter at the damn implicate as damn and uh, I've got my uh, Twitch which I of plans to stream on it. I've got the tech to do it. <laughs> I just haven't. Uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitch, that's the implications of two S's. Uh, Lords of Sight, I write for itself, uh, Wrestling Headlines, uh, the former Lords of Pain. If you write Lords of Pain into the search bar, it still autocorrects to Wrestling Headlines. So yeah, go for whichever site you want. <laughs> You'll be at the Wrestling Headlines regardless. Uh, if all the latest like Wrestling head, like news and things as well, and also columns from my, the likes of myself and from Hustle, 
and uh, Jekyll and uh, other names that hopefully trying to get back into the groove of it, like me, because <laughs> I fell off the wagon. <laughs> yeah, I, too, uh, fell off the wagon. I've written a couple stuff for WrestlingHeadlines.com also, but, man, I don't know what it is. It's, it's been hard to be, get consistent. Oh, so, <laughs> so difficult. <laughs> I was saying to Jeremy off air that I've been back trying to get this column series off the ground for three weeks now, and I've already missed one. <laughs> like, it's, it's not going well. Yeah. Uh, but also I'll be live for Wrestling Headlines uh, with their Aftershock review, which goes live immediately after the show finishes. Uh, so uh, this will not be the latest night I'll be up over this fortnight. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, so I'll be live for them on the Wrestling Headlines YouTube channel to immediately uh, review Forbidden Door. Forgot the name for a second. It's half past three. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe after my wedding and all that's done with, I'll try and uh, get back on the, the, the yeah. writing game and get get a column going up and try to write regularly for uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com. But make sure you check out WrestlingHeadlines.com. Great site. Check out all of Imp's work. Check out his tweets, all his uh, great stuff that he's been doing there. And uh, that's going to wrap the show up for us this week. Uh, next week, we should be joined by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Somowitz from All Things Elite to do a big uh, Forbidden Door preview. So hopefully we'll have some uh, more matches announced that we can actually preview <laughs> that show. Uh, so make sure you uh, check that out next week. Young boy should also be back next week as well. So if you enjoy the show, please consider making a donation. Go to socialsuplex.com. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo, socialsuplex.com slash donate. And make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we are at social suplex. On Reddit, on the Pro Black Guy, Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all of our other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.